Good afternoon, evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Monday, February 4th, a day after Super Bowl production of Hoopsville. And uh, thank you for tuning in. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. We'll try and get the uh, D3 Hoops one back up and running as soon as we possibly can. We'll also, um, you can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville and many other ways to do it. So we hope we hear from you. We hope uh, you'll interact with us. Certainly be interested to hear from you and whatnot. There is a lot to talk about tonight. Um, a lot to get across, lots to figure out, and we hope you'll uh, enjoy it with us if you can possibly do it. We're on this Monday, of course, because of um, the, uh, well, travel for starters. Uh, we uh, we try not to, it's just so hard to do everything on a, on a Sunday when we've been on the road all day. Uh, it was also Super Bowl Sunday. We could probably probably turn it around, but Super Bowl Sunday in the past, we've usually done an earlier show, so that was going to be eliminated, obviously. Uh, and the op other option certainly would have been to, um, well, you know, do one today, and, and so that's why we're doing it. So we hope you'll enjoy it. We hope you'll join us, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there you go. I think we I think we got it covered. Again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. did it again with the email because it's just routine in my head, dave.mcqueue at D3Sports.com. I am going into our systems now to see where people might be. And uh, if they are interacting with us, I apologize now. As sometimes it takes us a little bit of a, a second at the beginning of a show to truly have everything up and running <clears throat> with uh, chat rooms. There's so much to talk about. Obviously, we were at the rivalry, Hope versus Calvin, this past weekend. That was absolutely a blast, to say the least. Um, and it turned out to be a great game, as we really expected it would be. Um, we also had, um, whoops, there we go. We had our pregame show there as well. And we really want to thank everybody at Hope and Calvin for helping put that together. We're actually going to bring back a part of that um, pregame show here later today um, because it was such a great story of, of a hope legend in herself and her naming her son Calvin. It's a great story. So uh, tune in for that later on. We certainly think um, it's worth it. And uh, we have a lot of guests on the on the way. We should mention that as well. Uh, forgive me as I, I'm just refreshing some pages. We have a lot going on literally as we hit the air. First and foremost, new top 25s are out. Um, I'm trying to call them up as well. The men's top 25 is out. Women's is not out yet. It's it's nearly there, but we have a new old number one. Nebraska Wesleyan back into the top spot at 18. Augustana lost all of its votes and fell to fourth. Whitman picked up five, uh, maybe three more. Can't remember where they were last week. They're at second place now with six first place votes, just uh, 19 points behind Nebraska Wesleyan, which means some people don't have will have Whitman ahead of Nebraska Wesleyan. And then Oshkosh has the other first place vote sitting in third. Stevens Point and Lynchburg both dropped out, we should point out as well. Lacrosse held on to 25th, which is interesting. They only had 38 points. Stevens Point with 37, six in the unofficial 26th spot. If the uh, women's top 25 ballot hits while we're on the air. We'll certainly um, talk with you guys about it. 
I thought I printed up my uh, the top 25 today, but I don't see it. I want to go through. We'll go through really how the how the voters or how the teams did um, in a moment. Let's talk about what else we have on the show tonight. Um, it, 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 there's a ton to talk about. First and foremost, in the next block, we'll talk about Greenville's 200 to 146 win over Fontbon and George Barber, the Greenville head coach, will rejoin us here on the show. You might remember he was on the show a few weeks ago. Well, we talked to him about the game. He is also blogged, or, or basically, we put it into our blog his take on um, why they ended up going for 200 points. Um, we shared that. That's on the front page of D3Hoops.com. So that's why I say we have a lot going on. we got the show. Top 25s are coming out, and we just got this in from uh, George Barber. It's worth a listen. Uh, Adam Stockwell will join us from Hamilton, the men's coach for the uh, Continentals. They're up to number eight in the top 25. We'll talk to them. Continentals. Uh, Becca Clark Callender, senior guard for the WashU women, will join us as well to discuss the team's 10-game winning streak, nine games in the conference, and two-game lead in the UAA. Then we'll bring back that story we talked about, Dina Hackett from Hope, uh, as we're calling it, what's in a name. Then we'll hear from number 15 East Texas Baptist women's coach Rusty Rainbolt about his Tigers squad. And then we'll wrap up the show with Ryan Scott from D3Hoops.com, our senior writer and for our top 25 double take, which obviously will have a little bit of a different feel today because the top 25 having already come out versus on Sundays when we're kind of doing a double take into the next vote. So interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. We got our YouTube chat room going. We got our Facebook chat room going. Also have Twitter, certainly. Um, and we'll answer your questions there. If you feel like emailing us, you have that opportunity, certainly, as well. Um Let's see here. Um, Julie Clark's, let's see. Well, it is, uh, Julie said, is the show on tonight or on tomorrow? The show is on tonight. Um, I'll email right back. Not sure where we may have had something say we were on the air the 5th. Um, that's an interesting scenario. I'll have to check out where we may have had a, a screw up there. Um, I'm checking on our other things. Uh, by the way, great time in hope. Wonderful time in hope. Uh, the game lived up to expectations as we expected it would. The crowd was act, uh, outstanding. It was a fierce comeback. Came down to the end. Um, I didn't have time, unfortunately, to turn some video around from the game, mainly because I was just exhausted yesterday. But it was a wonderful time. Game was terrific. We thank all those at Hope, and uh, especially, and, and those at Calvin as well, for their help in, in, in putting the pregame show together and in, in hosting Pat and I. It was a wonderful time. We certainly had a blast doing it. Nice to also get back to the New Holland Brewing Company. Um, and uh, it was terrific. I had a blast. Uh, one of our friends, Chris, says, listening live from Granite City in Illinois, grilling out. And having a cold beverage. Let me just say, this February weather is for the birds. I'd rather be uh, dealing with uh, cold, to be honest with you. But uh, you enjoy that, Chris. Uh, top 25 results. Let's talk about those. Uh, on the men's side, obviously, Augustana losing. You saw that here on the um, marathon Thursday night. As they lost to North Central 68-63, they at least got back on the win column against North Park 97-42. As far as my top 25, which is actually sitting right here, and we should point out, by the way, there's some WIAC games and MIAA games going on tonight. We'll try and keep an eye on those. Uh, I ended up moving Augustana down to the four spot myself. 
Um, went, I've though been staying with Nebraska Wesleyan in the one hole the whole time. Uh, Whitman is now my two. Oshkosh is now my three. St. Thomas did not move at the five spot. And then I'll admit, uh, from about eight on down, it got very complicated. Uh, Nebraska Wesleyan went undefeated this week, uh, though the game against Vista was not an easy victory, 89-86. Whitman, we talked about their game against Whitworth uh, earlier. Uh, they had an easy game against Lewis and Clark. Oshkosh game against Whitewater is postponed to tonight. Just saw a score update. Where did it go? Um, let's see if we can find it in a moment. I just I just had it. Uh, War, Warhawks men tonight at Oshkosh. Game hasn't started. I apologize. That's why I got confused. Uh, St. Thomas had an undefeated week. Williams lost to Bowden 78-77 on a last-second shot in overtime in the corner with two men running at him. And then a great defense by Bowden to keep Williams from having a half-decent look at it from half-court to try and uh, win the game. I can't tell you a lot about that game since I was I was at Hope uh, Calvin, but watch the finish. And, and clearly, Williams, it's a tough road trip to go to Maine, certainly. Um, you got two on the road out there. It's probably a five-hour drive, I think, to Bowden, I would say, if I was driving it, roughly. Uh, and obviously they went to Bowdoin the second game, so it's and they went to Colby first. It's not easy, but it, let's uh, it, let's also say if you're that good a team, you should win both of those games. Uh, Marietta lost to Capital earlier in the week, then bounced back against Ohio Northern easily. Whitworth bounced back against Lewis and Clark, though it was a tight game there. Whitworth, I'm worried, is leaking oil. I ended up uh, moving them down just one spot, really, as I moved teams ahead of them. I don't like to move teams down based on a loss to a team ranked ahead of them, and I didn't. It was more about the result to Lewis and Clark. Uh, lo- losing two straight and then nearly losing to Lewis and Clark, I'm a little bit worried about the Pirates, that maybe they are, as I said, leaking oil and, and coming undone a little bit. Uh, St. John's lost to Bethel. We we barely talked about that on Thursday, but at least bounced back against McAllister. Wabash had lost to Allegheny, bounced back against Hiram. Uh, Loris had a weird week. Uh, we talked Thursday about their loss to, to Dubuque, but then handled Simpson. Capital lost to John Carroll after beating Marietta earlier in the week, and it wasn't close, really, 88-69. And it's not like this is John Carroll of old, though maybe um, Moran Jr.'s, and I, I know he's not a junior, but Pete Moran's uh, uh, idea to go away from the platoon subbing, like a system team where you're subbing every uh, five guys every few minutes, uh, they've gone away from that, and maybe it's working for John Carroll. Stevens Point, who had lost lacrosse, uh, barely got past River Falls. Lynchburg is on a four-game slide, losing to Roanoke and Bridgewater. It's not going to get any easier for the Hornets. They're 17-5 and now. North Central only had one game. Uh, they defeated Augustana. Good for them. They'll play tonight. Lacrosse had a weird week. They beat Stevens Point, then lost to Platteville, and it was enough for me to remove them from my top 25, and as a result, I removed Stevens Point from my top 25. Oswego, after getting some attention, has lost two of their last three, losing to Cortland. Uh, Wesleyan lost to Trinity. They're now 15-6. and Colby had two losses after a great week the previous week. They lost to both Williams and Middlebury. Wheaton lost to Carroll. We talked about that. Uh, They at least got back, but they barely got past Elmhurst. Wheaton may be in a lot of trouble. Scranton lost to Susquehanna in overtime, then barely got past Catholic on Saturday. Nice Connecticut lost to Mass Dartmouth, and WPI lost to Coast Guard. And I'll admit, I was on the verge of probably voting for WPI. Their four games lo- lost leading into the last week 
all came around Christmas time in a four-game slide. It looks like they were gaining momentum, certainly playing well, but a loss to Coast Guard is not going to get a lot of top 25 voters' attentions. Uh, we'll talk about the women in a bit, and obviously we're waiting for the women's top 25 to come out as well. Real quick to see if anybody has uh, messaged us, um, because we love interacting with all of you. Let's see here. Uh, Mark says, hey, Dave, driving back from Florida to Myrtle Beach, keep me awake. Mark, I will do my best. He also says, go Guilford. Well, Mark, like I said, I will do my best, sir. I will do my best. No one interacting us on the YouTube page. And don't see any tweets. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the Greenville game. Their 200-146 to 146 win over Fontbonne and what Coach Barber has to say with it. You will hear it here in an exclusive interview with us. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Mike Meller, head coach of Messiah Women's Basketball and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We really hope you enjoy the show. Back to you, Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Monday evening, a special Hoopsville show after the Super Bowl Sunday. By the way, congratulations to anybody who's a New England fan, bandwagon or not. Pretty impressive uh, game considering how good the defense has played in that game. Two high-powered offenses brought to their knees, essentially. 
So the big news this weekend certainly revolved around Greenville Panthers uh, and their 200 to 146 victory. Pat and I did a double take and a triple take, maybe a quadruple take when that news filtered into us in Holland, Michigan. They defeated Fontbonne at home. It was senior night. Reason being for their next five are on the road and their lone home game is on a Wednesday night. So a number of teams I saw this weekend were doing senior, excuse me, senior nights. In the week before, or the game before against McMurray, back on Thursday, they won 167-145. So in the last two games, Greenville has run into two teams that have definitely been willing to go up-tempo and high-scoring. Remember, they also lost to Webster 131-22 earlier in the month of January, and Westminster in back-to-back games 136-125. Their previous game against Fontbon was played back on the 2nd of January and finished 111.99. I think 99 is the, it's only happened twice this season that anybody, whether either team, has scored less than 100 points. Now, we'll save my opinion on all of this until later, but earlier today I did get a chance to catch up with George Barber about all of this and his opinions on it. I was curious what his take was when they decided to go for the 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 200 points, whether they even knew they had a record to go for, to be completely honest, because sometimes uh, there's a plan in place, as it were, and sometimes there is not. So we caught up with him to discuss all of that in an exclusive interview that we taped earlier today. George Barber now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And, Coach, we had you on a couple of weeks ago, so we already know about this system. We've had you on a little bit. You've had high-scoring affairs. Uh, 200? Was this ever uh, something that was on your radar? Not at all, Dave. Thanks for calling. Yeah, we we, – it was senior night. We were nervous. Uh, A lot of family was in. And uh, so we – it was not on our radar at all until close to the end of the game. When you – obviously, you play Fontbonne, and we should point out that the, last year you guys played a double overtime epic. Uh, it's not right. like Fontbonne isn't familiar with you guys. It's a conference opponent. They know what you're doing with the system. It feels like Fontbonne is willing to go up-tempo with you guys. Does that kind of breed a game like what we saw tonight or, yeah, or that I night? I think it does. I mean, last year, the game you're referring to, there was it was the NCAA Division three record for total combined points at the game, and – uh, they beat us 254 to 246, double overtime. Uh, and so the total combined points was, you know, over 300, and it was the most two teams that ever scored together. So, yes, they're uh, – but now earlier this year when we played them, we beat them 111-99. So we won by 12. It was a closer game. Neither team played quite as well, and the tempo was less. But they chose to run with us, and, um, you know, so it lends, it lends itself to uh, – you know, a record-breaking game, which you have no idea what any coach is going to do. Zone, man, you don't know if they're going to run, not pull it out, whatever. You have no idea uh, going into a game, and that's what, you know, that's just what happened the other day. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. I mean, each half could have been a, a regular game uh, for most – or it could have been a high-scoring game for most teams in Division Three. W- what point did you realize you guys had an interesting game going, or at least the, the, the system, as it were, really seemed to be clicking on all cylinders? Well, anytime the halftime score is 97-70, you say, wow, this is a little shocking. I mean, this is a little higher. Like maybe we're pouring them in a little faster rate. They're pouring them in a little faster rate. And I, and I, and I told the kids when I came in at halftime, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to write on the board. 
and they said, you know, 200. I said, no, I'm going to write, I'm going to write zero zero. I mean, we you could be up 30 and lose with the system. You could be down 30 and come back and win. So. You have to treat this. He's getting on him in his locker room. You have to treat it as if it's zero zero. You have to go out with the same intensity, and um, you you can't you can't let up. And and both teams, neither team let up. If you look, the score was mirrored basically, um, uh, you know, for both halves. So in other words, they they did what they did the first half again in the second half. With about six more points, we did what we did in the first half. Again, in the second half, with about six more points. So, we both came out and did about the same thing. Yeah, basically carbon copies of both halves. Any yeah. any thoughts? You you actually called a timeout late, which is which is kind of rare. It, was there any it thoughts of trying to get there? Yes. Oh, of course. So I looked on the board. Uh, it was 173, and it was over six minutes to go. And I just thought, man, I have never seen a score this high. And that much time still left on the clock. And I remember the whole system, all the all the patriarchs of the system, you know, book the 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 uh, all those guys had said we wondered if 200 was possible, but we never got it. And so, you know, that's all that was in my mind. I wonder if 200 is possible. I don't know if it's possible. And so I just said, hey, if if they keep trying to score, we'll keep trying to score. We we play, you know, our shifts are already set, so they don't. You know, everybody's already kind of going in and out. It's, it's already predetermined. And they kept trying to score, so we kept trying to score. And as it got close, with 10 seconds to go, we had 198, and it was their ball. And I, call, I, I did call timeout. And I said, listen, you will never, ever be this close again to 200. So try to go for a steal. If you don't get it, foul. Get the ball back and give yourself a chance because you'll regret it if you don't give yourself a chance. If we don't get it, no big deal. If you get it, it's you know you'll it'd be great because you'll never you'll never be this close again. And same thing after the game, I just said you just went to the moon. Not everybody's going to agree with it, but but that's a pretty special thing. I knew 198 to whatever wouldn't be as special as the 200, and so it was just can they do it? The the crowd went from are they going to win the game to oh my goodness are they going to score 200? And you could feel that kind of going on in the gym so instead of one taco being free at the store it's two tacos now uh for everybody um did you 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 seem to fit the 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 scope of your game plan i didn't i didn't see anything that we've seen in some other games where the box score you look at a player and go well that's out of whack it seemed like you still stayed with your basic rotations and guys played their basic amount of time is that a correct assessment absolutely the the only time we didn't do that was we let marv stay in because he had 11 three the record here's 11, and I didn't know he had 11. I didn't know. I just knew he was hot, and I said, you know, wow, if we're going to get to 200, we'll let him do the finishing shift. And we and we and that's really not even abnormal. We have finishers. We have the top five guys out of our group of, you know, 14, 15 guys that we normally play. 13, 14, 15 guys. We have a lot of guys in street clothes for various reasons: suspensions, injuries, yeah. whatever. Uh, but I said, you know, you take your top five and you let them finish the game, and so that's not even that's not even out of order. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty. We pretty much did it right as it was scripted. Uh, what's been the feedback so far? Well, so I knew there would be some negative, and 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 I just want to respond graciously. I was hoping, you know, that. Um, I, I I just I almost feel like I have to apologize, and I, I get that. But um, I was hoping that people would 
you know, understand going for the 200 and would, um, would you know, allow us that, allow us that fun or whatever. And I certainly didn't want to do it at the expense of, of another team or another coach or whatever. But, um, you know, I just wanted, I just, it was just something neat to try to go for. Um, and, and I don't blame people uh, if they if they don't like what we did. I understand. I have to take that heat. But I I, I think preserving relationships are really really important. Uh, but I just thought I would take that risk since 200 was such a was such a way out there number. And and of course it turns out you lost the game 146 to zero, at least according to the scoreboard. Oh right, exactly. We lost. <laughs> We did. We lost the game one forty six to zero. Right. This is kind of funny, right? Because you never see you never see it too on a scoreboard. It's it's impossible. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just basically what I'm saying is in a two hundred point game, I wonder if people might understand the desire to reach that goal, and some do not, at least for now. And I truly feel bad about it, but I felt I'd take that risk. So. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Um, we look forward to obviously how the Panthers do the rest of the way, but at least uh, you're you're willing to chat about it and talk about oh, it, and, yeah, and we yeah, certainly yeah. appreciate that. And we wish you guys luck the rest of the way, and I have a feeling we might be talking about you in the NCAA tournament too. Oh uh, man, I would hug you if we could do that right now. I don't, <laughs> we are a long, long ways from there. Oh, I know. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, thanks and take care. All right, thanks, Dave. So there you go. There's his take on how that all played out. Um, he expands on it further if you want to go to d3hoops.com. Maybe not now, maybe later, um, but we have it up. It, it is his word, unedited, why they went for it, his explanation behind it all. It is well written out. I've not been able to read through all of it, but there's some uh, interesting thoughts in there from him. Here's my take on it. There are two other scenarios in which people who know me and know this show know where I fall. And I obviously fall on sportsmanship. I fall with wanting um, the best for the student-athlete experience without showing up another team and without it being um, um, the wrong message. The other two scenarios date back to 2006 when Lincoln, when they were in Division Three, I think it was their final year in Division Three, set the scoring mark that still stands at 201. George Barber says he didn't know about the scoring record. I take his word for it. They had a 201. The other example is when Grinnell has used their system to go out and set some records themselves. In the Lincoln example, the 201 points were scored against their opponents, I think it was 78, 76 or 78. They played their starters, especially their All-American, um, a vast majority of the second half, and I, I should say a majority of the second half, not vast, but a majority of the second half, including bringing their All-American back into the game late to try and hit 200. This is a non-system team. This is a team that chose to do this. It gets, and it continues in the sense that their coach either said to me or said on air, I don't remember which now, it's been so long, 12 years, 13 years ago. It was 12, a little over 12 years ago because it happened in December of, 20, of 06. Then he doesn't look at the scoreboard during a game, which isn't accurate. I've watched him look at a scoreboard during a game. And I know all coaches do because they're looking at information that's on said scoreboard. So we acted like they didn't know the score. None of that passed what some would call the smell test. They purposely took advantage of a lesser program and went and put up 200 points. In the Grinnell scenarios, people know that I have been upset that 
at least senior for the most part, has had gone out, chosen teams that they could easily beat, and purposely set things up, no matter what they have told us, to set a record. Uh, they say that they wait until halftime and see that a guy has got a chance at a record and then go for it, except that they played the guy all but two minutes of the first half when in the system he would have missed at least half of the first half on the bench due to how they were rotating. They were keeping him in on rotations. Uh, Junior has set a record for assists in in a way of, of, of doing things differently against an opponent that can't stop him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We had Greenville on this show a few weeks ago, and something similar came up. And in that game he he discussed, where they, uh, I think he discussed, or he discussed it with me, where they had a 40-some-odd point lead, called off the dogs, backed off, decided not to go with it for the full-court press, and the team rallied back, and it was all of a sudden a 12-point game. He discussed that on that interview. Not in any context except to say that it's feast or famine with the system. And so... I, I feel that this one was more genuine. Yes, they saw a chance at go for 200, but they didn't plan to do it coming into the game. It's a conference game, so you have a lot more on the line than just trying to set a record. They're playing an opponent that has beaten them often in the past, so it's an equal opponent, and including an opponent that seemed to be up for it for the most part. Those scores, exam. if you look at the halves, they're exactly the same. 97-70, to 103-76. to 76. There's some who make light of the fouls at the end. Coach Barber talks about them in his blog, and they're in the interview. Yes, they were going for 200, but we got to remove the 50-point opponent here because in the system, the 50-point opponent, especially being Fontbonne, who has beaten uh, Greenville in these types of games in the past, is not your prototypical opponent. The 50 points, if it is Lincoln, if it is somebody who, who has barely any players, is a valid argument. I don't think it is in this case. In this case, could they have won by 20? Absolutely. Do they have to go for 200? It, it was an interesting idea to go for it, and you hear them say that. If they couldn't get to it, so be it, they move on. I'm not as angry about it. Maybe Fontbonne will come out and say that they're ticked off about it. My gut feeling says they won't. They still put up 146 points in this game. I, I my my feeling on this is it was more genuine, more in the moment, more. Listen, teams go for 100 when they've got a chance while blowing out an opponent. I've been to more my share fair, my fair share of games where a, a team gets to 90, has a 30-point lead, and they're either willing their starters or trying to get their scrubs to score and hit 100 because they don't hit 100 ever. This is a system team essentially doing the same thing at 200. That's where I fall on this. I don't think it was in bad sport. I think Fontbon was a worthy opponent, and I think it was in the moment of the situation. You can argue it all you want. I'm not going to disagree necessarily with some arguments. I think it was still sportsmanlike, but I can only speak for what George has told us and what he's written about it. He clearly is, you know, has two minds on it as well. But that's where we stand on that, and we can certainly discuss it down the road at some point. I know there's some comments. We may have to, we have to get going with the rest of the show. How does Greenville score 100-plus in each game? Is it a weaker conference? No, Ryan. They're playing the system. The system is going to breed points. They're going up and down. They're forcing 37, almost 40 turnovers a game. Their opponents are deciding to go with them in those scoring games. Greenville 
could go and play in Augustana and we're still going to have a six, six, uh, more than 100 points scored by both teams. It's going to happen. It, there's more possessions to the game. It breeds more points. There's just more possessions to the game because they're speeding up the game by playing the system. That's how that works. Um, all right. I think that's it. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears dramatically. Talk to Hamilton men's basketball about their season so far and the race in the NESCAC. It's interesting. I have a feeling we'll be talking about the Greenville game throughout the show. You can certainly text us and tweet us and email us as well. You're taking a break. When we come back, you're... more hoops, Phil, from the WBCA and ABC studios. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked the top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Monday evening, February the 4th. Welcome to February, by the way. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. A little bit different, mainly because we're dealing uh, with possible um, email issues. We, I, 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 we're, we're still trying to figure it out. Some people have had it bounce back, and I haven't heard from a lot of you on the Hoopsville one, so I don't think it's working. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville as well. Again, we'll talk more about the Greenville one down the road. Daryl also points out that he thinks my assessment on the Whitworth men's team was right on. That's kind of scary to some degree. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, Daryl, thank you. 
Uh, a reminder, my Top 25 blog will come out. I'll, I'll get it written this evening. It'll get out uh, either later tonight or tomorrow. I don't want to take away anyway f- necessarily from uh, uh, George Barber's um, uh, blog either about his game, uh, 246. So I want to give that a little bit of breathing room, but we got to get it out there as well because there's other things to get to, especially Thursday's show. Uh, one team that I have had all over the, my ballot, I've got them up now to eight. They are sitting in the eight hole as well is the Continentals of Hamilton. They are in this NESCAC bottleneck of a standings. If you haven't looked, Williams and Middlebury lead the way at 6-2 and two in conference play. Then Hamilton and Amherst are right behind them at 5-2. and two. Of course, those two teams haven't played. They got snowed out a couple weeks ago. And then Wesleyan's behind them at 5-3. and three. If it's anything like the soccer, men's soccer uh, tournament, uh, buckle your seatbelts, folks, because it's going to be a bumpy ride and a little bit crazy all the same. To talk about it all, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of Hamilton. It's Adam Stockwell. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you having me. I appreciate you uh, joining us. Um, Your team only has two losses, but I feel like it's the close results that have given me a little bit more of a pause, maybe, is the best way to say it. Um, I don't feel like... Has the target just been so big that you guys have just taken the best from everybody? Or have you guys just not played consistently... And again, it's from this perspective down here in Baltimore, obviously. Well, I think a little bit of both. Um, certainly, you know, having a good season last year, a lot of press coming into the beginning of the year is a bigger target this year on our back. And as a result, we're getting some great efforts from a lot of teams. Um, but certainly, once we get into league play, every team's very strong, very talented. And, and like most conferences, teams beat up on each other quite a bit. Well, the is... thing we're more concerned about is we just want to try to start playing a little bit better. Um, there's a lot of things we're trying to work on and get better that we just haven't been able to consistently do at the high level that we hope to. Yeah, that's certainly what I figured. But, of course, we're into February now. Is there a point where you try and, and drive home to the guys, hey, guys, the time's running out? <laughs> well, I think that'll hit a square in the face on Friday um, <laughs> you know, this weekend because yeah. we've got three great teams coming up here at the end of league play and you know, certainly going on the road to Middlebury and Williams playing two very, very strong teams, tough teams, well-coached teams is quite a daunting task. Um, so hopefully you know, some of the things we've been working on the last week and this week we can put it at a little higher level than what we've done a few times. And you know, we've, we've had some stretches where we played fantastic and then we've had some stretches where we really need to work on things. And We would just want to get in a position where we're playing a little more consistently across everything at a high level and, and we haven't quite gotten to that point yet, but we're certainly working to get there. Should point out the two losses are in conference, as we hinted at earlier, at Wesleyan seventy three sixty nine versus Colby eighty six seventy eight. Of course, that Colby um, game was one when they went on a tear that weekend. Uh, it wasn't just you guys that were victims to Colby, and but you've got a point. You come back and got three wins last week on the road at Wells, then hosting Bates and Tufts. Um, you've got though ahead of you, as you pointed out, a very difficult stretch here. You're going to go on the road to Middlebury. Then you're going to be on the road at Williams and then come home and a couple days later take on Amherst. The entire conference standings is going to be decided with these three games, essentially. How do you keep the guys both focused at the, at the present game, but also maybe staying fresh and not overtaxing themselves on a game-to-game basis, especially emotionally? Well, that's a good question. I think for our older guys... You know, having a very similar experience last year with the last regular season weekend in the NESCAC, where ultimately ended up being a five-way tie, I think we kind of understand the importance of these games. And certainly having been through that last year, we understand the emotion involved. 
a little different for us this year. Last year was our senior weekend, so we had the home crowd in our favor. Where this weekend we've got it, or this week coming weekend we've got to go on the road for other teams' right. senior games. Uh, but I think our guys get that. You know, we're, we're fortunate. We're an older team. We've got four seniors who've been fantastic here for all four years, and we've got a junior who starts as well, and Kenny Gilmore who gets a lot of press. And those five guys have played a lot of games, played a lot of minutes, and been in a lot of environments. Um, some favorable, some not so favorable. So I think they've been through a lot. And, They've been great in practice so far this week, just kind of keeping the guys grounded and understand we're still trying to get better to try to build for something moving forward. And everybody we play the rest of the year, the, the next three uh, regular season games, they're all postseason teams. So yeah. every game we have from now on is a postseason game no matter what. And to some degree that's got a lot on the line with regional rankings coming out. These opponents will most likely be results against regionally ranked opponents. Uh, you get into the conference tournament, it's going to be the same thing. There's a, there's a lot to these games that I realize isn't necessarily stuff you talk about with the team, but I'm sure you guys as a coaching staff are discussing. Well, I think you have to talk with, it, with your team about it, too, just because it's out there so much. You know, and Our guys are, are online as well, just like every player in the country is. <laughs> um, so, so we want to make sure that they understand what we're thinking about it and what we're looking at, and not to get too hyped one way or too down another way. We just want to keep them pretty even keel. So I think it's something that we do have to talk about with the guys and make sure everybody's on the same page getting ready for the weekend. We've got four uh, seniors on this squad in Doyle, Shea, Hoffman, and Grawl. You've got those as a core, and, and they've been the four that have helped Hamilton to some degree get to where you are now, whether it was last year's NCAA tournament appearance and, and second-round appearance, uh, the, the being in the conversation in the NESCAC, as it were. I mean, we don't have to go that far back and, and remember the 11 and 13 days uh, of the program. How much has this senior class meant to you as a coaching staff? They've been fantastic. Uh, we couldn't find a, a class to be better representatives of our program and our college and our department. Um, in that 11-13 year, it was a tough year, but it was their freshman year, and I think they took a lot from that as far as trying to help the program move forward with its culture and, and the positivity around it. They've been right in the front end of that for sure. And it certainly helps that they've all played for all four years. They've all been talented, and they mesh really well together on and off the court, but they've They've really done a significant job here the last couple of years, helping us move forward and be a lot more competitive in the conference, but then also on the national level a little bit as well. I should, I think I misspoke. Uh, Doyle is one of the seniors, Grassy the other, and Hoffman Grawl. I think I f- yep. snuck Shay in there somehow because my, apparently my reading skills have slipped. Um, That's okay. Coleman loves the press, so he would be excited <laughs> about that. Well, the, that senior core is certainly good, but you're actually led by a junior in scoring and Kenna Gilmore at 19.5 points a game. Uh, he's also third on the team in, in rebounding. Grassy is, is number one in rebounding, and Grohl is number five, I believe. So it, you also still do get a lot of, of experience and certainly some contributions from the underclassmen. It's not just about that core quad group. No, the seniors have carried a lot of the burden the last couple of years, but they've blended really well with Ken Gilmore. And I think part of the seniors just being great teammates and willing to be a little bit unselfish has allowed Ken to flourish in his role as a natural scorer. Um, but those five have really they've done a great job the last couple of years blending, playing well, competing at a high level in a lot of big games. Um, the thing we're excited about now coming off this weekend is we got some great play from the guys off the bench. Um, you know, Shout out to Lloyd Jr. and Mark Lutz Jr. and Nicholas Surrender and Spencer Kendall. All four of them came in and had some huge moments on Friday night and on Saturday as well, helping us earn a good weekend for us. So we're hoping that's a good sign for us moving forward. But certainly if our bench can play at a high level and then those five starters continue to play well together like they have the past two years, we feel pretty good about 
moving forward a little bit this weekend. You might be reading over my shoulder. I just got to say, of the 13 guys who've entered games, 12 of them have entered in pretty much every game, the exception being Shea, uh, who's gotten uh, just into nine games this season. That that depth is certainly helpful for a lot of reasons, especially when you go through a grind of a lot of games in, in one weekend, or in the case you're going to run into here is a lot of, of important games to close the stretch and into the tournament before we even talk about March. Well, that's part of the reason we play guys early in the year. You know, we, we try to play 9, 10, 11 guys pretty regular mile on, on a game-by-game basis, and hopefully they can gain some experience through some tougher games early in the year to be ready for moments like this. You just You never know when you know, an injury comes up or foul trouble or someone's having an off game. And to have those guys have some confidence going in this last weekend I think is really huge, and, and hopefully it carries over beyond this weekend to whatever we have following up after that. But, you know, we, we do play relatively fast. We get up and score in the mid-80s quite a bit. Um, yeah. Not quite as fast as Greenville, um, but we do get up and down <laughs> a little bit. So having some depth is important for us. And, and we know Friday playing Middlebury, that they play incredibly fast and really score at a high, high level. So yeah. we know we've got to do a lot of great things to slow them down and, and still try to keep our pace at a pretty good level. Well, we can talk about Greenville in a moment, but I'm curious. You're outscoring your opponents by nearly 20. It's about 18 points a game. You're out-rebounding your opponents by about 10 a game. You're handing out about five and a half more assists. You're turning it over less, and you're blocking at almost a five to one ratio. That's a lot of great stats that tell me that maybe what I'm what I'm concerned about is just smoke and mirrors. That that I'm just misreading it. What's the difference between this team and last year's team then? That that might help someone like myself try and gauge what I'm looking at. Yeah, I think we're a little different as far as the rotation. Um... You know, last year's team, when, when guys came in, we had a few more older guys coming in who'd been starters in the past, and I think that depth, you know, we didn't miss a beat very often with them. We, in some cases, we actually played better when the bench came in, and that separated us a lot in games, where this year we have guys stepping in new roles coming off the bench, mm-hmm. and they've done a great job and really grown, and, and we've seen that growth throughout the year, and that's why this past weekend was such a big positive for us, is we feel like we're getting great chemistry now across our entire rotation. Um, we're early in the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've had some younger guys playing and, and mm-hmm. learning their way around. But now those guys have started to settle into better roles and just really playing at a high level. So I think we're getting closer to where we were last year at this time of the year. Um, we started to play really well, especially down at the York um, weekend there, first weekend of the NCAAs. And mm-hmm. if we can do that, then, then we feel like we can compete with anybody in the country and, and hopefully we're getting closer to that level. But it, it takes a little time. We've had, like any team, we've had a lot of new guys and new roles and just different scenarios and different situations for them to be in. And it's taken us a little time to grow. This NESCAC race, uh, not surprisingly, is a battle. No one's been able to be head and shoulders above anybody, mainly because Williams has even dropped a few games like they did this weekend to to uh, Bowden. How do you how do you see this shaking out, and and how do you make sure you don't take the blemishes that can hurt? Boy, if I knew that answer, I, that would be great. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think the four teams that are tied up top all have a lot of great things going for them, and certainly that's not just the top four teams. You know, Wesleyan's got some great players and very well coached, and you know, for us when we played them there, Austin Hutcherson was phenomenal that game. And, really made a big result for them. Um, but, you know, it's a really competitive league. Every game is going to be a battle. And you just want to try to find a way to get through that night and have the right energy and the right plays at the end to try to finish off games because there's not that many blowouts. Um, yeah. So we're just hoping you know, we have the right frame of mind and we can stay fresh and get ready to go this weekend. But 
hopefully there's there's some really highly competitive games this weekend for the league, you know, across the four teams with two losses right now, and, and hopefully we can find a way to get through a couple of those games on the positive side. Are you guys the best team in this conference, or is it too hard to say, even from your vantage point? I wouldn't mind playing anybody. I think we can compete with anybody in the league. Um, to say right now, based on the records and the results, one team significantly better than the other, I think it would be hard for anybody to say that. And I think the next three games and then certainly the league tournament is going to decide that for sure. But I, I think you've got a bunch of teams that can compete with anybody in the country for sure. Um, and that's what makes it fun. You know, it's kind of interesting how it's worked out with the four games this weekend. All four of us have two losses and then happened to be that a uh, snowed out game and <laughs> two teams that have two losses. So there's just so much change going on here. And, you know, certainly Wesley and Indy with a good weekend could find a way into a home game as well. So it's just, uh, there's a lot to be left on the table here and figured out here the next couple of days. As I said at the beginning, though, I don't think the home game matters. Um, in the NESCAC men's soccer tournament, all the low seeds won every single game of that tournament. I mean, we saw that a few years ago. Number seven ended up winning the the conference championship. The, the NESCAC, it really, it, it's about how you play more than where you play. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, and this year it seems like we have a lot of really good veteran teams out there that are playing at a high level. You know, Williams has a ton of guys back, and I know Middlebury's got guys who've played quite a few minutes the last two years, and I think their team's as good as any team they've had since, you know, Wolfen and Kaizel and Sherry and Thompson were playing. They just, they're tough. And, yeah, it just makes it fun. <laughs> if you're competitive, it's a fun league to be in. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, you mentioned Greenville. Would you ever want to play a team like them who's going to who's going to try and produce twice or more possessions per game, try and try and be uh, both in your face defensively and down your throat offensively? I think only if you could really shoot the ball. That'd be about the only way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I know scoring 200 points and winning by 50 seems really substantial, but there's a lot of teams where, you know, we've been on both sides for sure, where if you lose a game by 30 and the other team scores 90, I mean, that would be like scoring 200 and losing by 70. So it's kind of in the same ballpark. And I don't think it's over the top. That's just the style of play. Yeah. You know, yeah. A 20 or 30 point loss when the team scores 55 is almost as new as the Virginia Tech NC State game the other oh, day. Oh, jeez. Yeah. If you Let's set basketball back that a few out, years. That'd be an 80 point loss. Um, it's true. It's true. Yeah, no, that's right. Exactly. Uh, you 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 look at it from that scale, and it changes the perception a little bit. Coach, appreciate the time. Uh, fascinated with Hamilton this year, and not because I I have relatives up there, but because I like <laughs> I like seeing what they. But you know, I appreciate you coming on because I'll admit some of the results shook my head, like Keene State. But then you know, you also have big wins in there, and certainly have had a, a successful season. And I appreciate the time. By the way, also interesting how you mixed in some non-conference teams in the middle of this NESCAC. Um, uh, schedule was was that obviously purposely done, but what was the mentality behind trying to sneak in a Geneseo Wells type games in the middle of the NESCAC? Well, you know, I think we have to with our league scheduling fourteen non-conference games and starting a little bit later than everybody else. We need to. Um, we just don't have enough time on the front end to really get all the non-conference games in. So we've got to hit that week where we might play a, a standalone team or a travel partner and sneak in a couple games uh, just so that the students have a chance to go home over winter break. Sure. Um, you know, and, you know, those are those are good mix-ups for us. Just get our minds away from the NESCAC a little bit and kind of get to play somebody else that doesn't know us inside is out quite as well. And it's always good to get a game or two at home when you can in yeah. January and February. Sure, true. Um, would you want to see a double round robin in the NESCAC? I think it would be hard 
right. because we played 20 games with that, and then you know we have four games left. So sure. you have local rivalries, and all of a sudden you end up playing the same 24 games every year. You yeah, know, we, no, fair point. You know, we've got three teams close by, and you know, we would we'd try to play them every year just because they're so close. And maybe know, a, now, maybe an offset system. That'd be something. I'd be interested to see someone come up with that. We were playing 14, 15, 16, maybe in that range. So you had the opportunity to, to take a trip somewhere or go somewhere like we did to Daytona Beach this winter, um, somewhere outside of your region and play some different teams or, or get down south or out west. And, sure. Because um, you know, we do have students from all over the country. So we, we had a young man from Daytona, so we went down there. Next year we're going to Los Angeles for two games and just trying to get closer to the guys' hometown with a 20-game league schedule. I think that'd be hard to do. Sure. Uh, by the way, Las Vegas is beautiful around Christmas. I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the, the arena is. I don't know about much outside the arena. <laughs> uh, Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, especially these next three ahead of you. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, well, I just appreciate the opportunity, and, and hopefully we have a chance to talk a couple more times here down the stretch because that means we would have gone out and improved something to a lot of people here the next week or so. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Thanks for the time. Good luck, and uh, hopefully the weather doesn't play any uh, curveballs on you guys in the next two weeks. I think we're done with that. Thanks, Dave. All right, take care. Adam Stockwell joining us from Hamilton, the eighth-ranked as of today. Continentals, again, at Middlebury, at Williams this weekend. And then a couple days later after this weekend, they'll be home against Amherst. They'll be home against Amherst in eight days, so a week from tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, they'll be home, and then they get into the next CAC play. Remember, NESCAC, one of the three conferences that start a week in advance of everybody in conference tournament action. It'll be fascinating to see how Hamilton plays out. Taking a break, when we come back, we'll switch into some women's basketball. Had a great conversation earlier today with Becca Clark Callender, the senior guard from Wash U. Hear that conversation when we return. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this special Monday edition. Obviously, thanks to the Super Bowl and our travels to Michigan, we postponed the show here to this evening. We have lots to break down. We're still breaking it all down here on the show. So if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can find us on Facebook where we're live streaming the show as well, the simulcast, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, email us dave.mchugh at d3sports.com, scrolling at the bottom of your screen. When it comes to the central region, one of those topics that we traditionally talk about on Sundays or thus tonight's show, on the women's side, one of the teams we should be talking about is the Wash U women's basketball team. They are on a tear at this point in time, having played extremely well, and their last loss coming back on December 29th against nationally ranked St. Thomas at a tournament in at Wartburg. Of course, they came back the next day, got a win over North Central, and they haven't lost since. They also lead the... UAA, a conference I think many thought Chicago would have the lead on, but Chicago's two games back, Emory's three games back. Pretty good for the Bears at this point. To talk about how good WashU is this season, we wanted to talk to their senior guard, Becca Clark Calendar. She joins us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Thank you, Becca, for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, absolutely. Um, five losses on the season and, and a good, good teams. Texas, Dallas, Illinois, Wesleyan, Westminster, Missouri by two, Laura, St. Thomas. Certainly a number of those teams are, are being talked about in their conferences and, are, and in national polls and whatnot. But I have a feeling those five losses for a player probably still um, aren't great. No, yeah. I mean, we were definitely a little bit frustrated with uh, the, the start to our season. But I also think you, you kind of have to get some of that experience under your belt. Um, you know, going undefeated is nice, uh, but being able to learn from playing a lot of different great teams is also really good and I think has really helped us when we came into the conference. Yeah, it is basically a tale of two seasons right now when you look at it. Uh, you, again, you guys had those five losses. You had five wins. Essentially, you guys were five and five heading into that North Central game. You, you ended the 2018 part of your schedule six and five. So nine straight wins since then, all of them in conference play, which is the most important part. You got to feel like you got your mojo back to some degree. Yeah, I think, I think a winter break definitely gave us some time to, to refuel. And, you know, we've just been very fortunate uh, to play this well so far through the UAA. And I mean, I think it's just a testament to our team that we can come out and play all different kinds of opponents because everyone has to be taken seriously in the UAA. Um, to get these these nine wins so far. That's true. Uh, and you've seen the UAA in your career be an absolute battleground. <laughs> uh, NYU and Rochester, yourselves, Chicago, uh, to name a few. Emory, too. Uh, not to, of course, the others are good, too, but it's been an absolute craziness at the top of the, of the, uh, the race most years. This year, it's a little bit different. Does it feel different in those games, or does it still feel the same? It honestly, it feels it feels kind of the same. Um, just because every year we'll finish playing a game, we'll look at the scoreboard, and there'll be scores that shock us. Um, you know, we played Carnegie Mellon last week. We won by twenty five. We played them this week. We won by three. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you you think you play well in both games, but every team almost morphs into a, a stronger version of themselves every week. Um, so no matter what the rankings say or what the standings are, you got to take everybody just as seriously as if you were playing the number one team in the country. You're one of six seniors on this squad. That's that's a lot of leadership, per <laughs> se. 
Does that also help, though, in, in terms of, of passing around the abilities to get this team ready for a game from the students, at, from, your, from the players' point of view? It's not just on you. It's not just on two of you, but there's six of you that can lead the way? Yeah, and I think, I mean, we're a very close six, but we're also a very different six. Uh, we all play very differently. We all have very different skill sets. So I think it's been great, um, both learning to lead together, but also being able to depend on one another when one of us is having an off day. Um, you know, I can look at Carol and Rach to have a great shooting night or for Cato to throw some crazy left-handed assists or Mads and Bot, you know, to really put in some work in the paint. So, I mean, having that kind of diversity uh, in a senior class has just been phenomenal. You're in the top six in scoring for this team at 7.2 points a game. Uh, of that top six, five of them are seniors. The only one who's not is uh, Christina Schmelter at, at nine and a half points a game, second on the team. But you're led by Madeline Homily. You got Rachel Sondag. You got Carolyn Ballard, uh, Stephanie Bakken, and yourself as those, that senior group leading the way. I, I get the sense that you all know this is it. This is the final run, and, and you're trying to make the most of it. No, absolutely. I mean, it's something we've talked about since the, the beginning of the year and probably something that was at the front of our minds even coming into the conference especially. I mean, that's the last time we get to step into UChicago and try to beat them on their home court. It'll be the last time their you know, seniors will try to come beat us you know, on February 23rd. So being a senior definitely refocuses your vision every, every single game. I was going to say that game against Chicago at their place to get a win by 19, 85, 66, certainly set the table here because they do have to come back to your place. You guys play the next two on the road, Emory and, and, and then at Rochester, and then you're home for the final three. That's got to be somewhat of an advantage. You know, it's always great to be at home, um, but we also, <laughs> people love to come play their absolute best on our court. So, <laughs> True. Um, you know, it's only only so much of an advantage. <laughs> well, and now the cat's out of the bag. You've won nine straight. Uh, these teams have all now lost to you. Um, they don't want to lose a second time. Maybe that's what you saw this last weekend uh, with Case Western and, and Carnegie, that they were more than willing to, to come back at you and make those games a little bit different. Oh, for sure. It's, it's absolutely a chess match. Um, and, you know, as much as we talk about the players in the UAA, the coaches also absolutely know what they're doing. So the strategizing that's going on, I probably wouldn't even be able to understand half of it. Um, but teams definitely adjust and they come back uh, ready, ready to give you their best shot again. Your freshman year, the season ended in the Elite Eight against Thomas Moore at their place. Your June, sophomore year, it ended, uh, I believe, at home against Tufts in the Elite Eight. Last year, it ended in the second round at Hope. I have a feeling there's unfinished business for this senior class to some degree. I Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, we would love more than anything, I mean, first just to win the UAA, but to get back into the tournament and get deep into the tournament um, has been, you know, one of our goals since August. Uh, so absolutely. This, this team's unranked. Granted, five losses at the beginning of the year. The six and five start, I'm sure, had a lot of people kind of sh scratching their heads a little bit, especially the voters. Unranked as of when we're talking here. The rankings could come out while this is on the show, and this, this could change. But does that matter anything to you guys? Do you feel like you're you're under the radar and that's a good thing, or you're under the radar and really, darn it, you should be more respected? You know, I think when you, have, when you play for a program like WashU that has spent so many years on the charts, you think about it at first. 
But then you realize that rankings don't mean anything if what you're really focusing on is the work every single day. Um, and if you think you've got something really good uh, at practice every single day, then whether or not we make the top 25, that's okay. We, you know, we, we know what we're going to bring mm-hmm. when we, you know, step onto the court for game time. And that's what's most important. Your, your career has been split by two very different coaches. Um, Nancy, obviously being your, your, your lead for two years and now Randy Henderson for two years. What's the difference has been like? And have you, has everybody settled in? I assume in this, this late in the second season, it's true, but sometimes you never know. Sorry, could you say that one, one more time? It sure. cut out a little bit. It's all right. You, your, your career has basically been split by Nancy Fay as a head coach for your first two years, Randy Henderson the second two years, two somewhat different coaches, somewhat different styles. I, I realize it's a late in the second year and you're playing well at this point under Randy, but I have a feeling that you guys have adjusted to the differences. Yes, I, I, I think so. I mean, two different coaches, but both two great coaches and both two systems that I think our senior class especially has been able to to adapt to really well. Um, you know, I think Coach Faye taught our class a lot um, about college basketball and clearly got us when we were freshmen and newbies and didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and, you know, under Coach Henderson, I think we've really been able to hone our skills and be able to go on the run that, that we have. So I would say we have adjusted pretty well so yeah. far. Obviously the nine game winning streak would probably be very much a testament <laughs> to that. Um, yeah. This is going to be an interesting question. The men obviously went through a coaching change in the off season and, and granted uh, a lot of their senior class had left since it was more of the younger guys. Did you help them a little bit with understanding what that coaching change was to be like? Because it's two programs that had never had really had a coaching change in forever you had gone through it. The men hadn't. Were, were they able to lean on you a little bit? Um, I would say they definitely asked us about the process of taking a new coach because uh-huh. um, it, it is, you know, something very unique to go through, I think, in college basketball. Um, but for the most part, you know, we couldn't say, speak on what they needed. Sure. Uh, so I think WashU was great. They gave us a lot of input uh, when Coach Henderson got here, and I think they gave the boys equal um, amounts of input for Coach Yacom. So, I, you know, I think it was more so their process than ours, but we were absolutely ready to lend, uh, you know, an ear if they ever asked. Sure. I can imagine. You guys are close as teams because you travel so mm-hmm. much together in the UAA. Uh, what is that travel like, especially considering you're in the further western part of this and you've got to go to the you know, furthest east, the furthest north and the furthest south? What, what's the travel like for your team and, and as, a, as a whole basketball programs, men and women combined? Uh, it's it's been interesting this year because we've had uh, some flight delays and flight cancellations, making Fun. plans a little bit bit more complicated. Um, but it's always a great time. I mean, we're very fortunate to be in the UAE and get to fly to a ton of different amazing cities and to spend enough time to actually see the cities that we go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think both our team and the men's team have really enjoyed it this year as we have pretty much every single year. Hope you're racking up the frequent flyer miles and hotel points. For sure. For sure. <laughs> well done. Well done indeed. Uh, as obviously being a, a student, we were fascinated also in, in what you do as a student athlete. Can you tell everybody what your major is? Yes. Um, I'm an interdisciplinary major. So the full title is philosophy, neuroscience, psychology, or PNP. That, that, that is a, an understandable yet very unique kind of combination when you put that together what was your thinking 
Um, well, it's actually offered as just a sole major at, at WashU. But what I like to call my major is it's really the study of why people are the way they are. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what drew me to it is that you don't just have the science of neuro and not just the psych aspect, uh, you know, aspect, but also the philosophy yeah. and how how you know people think about how people think. Not to get super meta, <laughs> but, I love it. Yeah, um, but that that's what drew me to the to the major was that kind of interconnectedness between the three three regular majors. That's fascinating. Um, does it change your perspective on the world as a result when either it's news or it's in a game or it's just interacting with friends? Does it kind of change the way way you see the world as now that you kind of have this other thinking to it? It definitely does. Um, Madeline Homily, the other, uh, one of the other seniors on my team, she is also this major, and we get told by our friends very often not to psychoanalyze them. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you, I think if anything, hopefully it makes you more kind because you realize mm. that people are the product of their environments, their upbringing, their genetics, all kinds of different things. And there's always a reason why, you know, people are the way they are. So I would say it's actually a much more humanistic major than I thought it would be. Um, but I'm very grateful for getting to study it. That's fascinating. Uh, it is your senior year, so I'm curious what you have for plans once uh, the the gown has been removed and, and the diploma put away. Right. Well, most people, once they hear my major, think I'm off to medical school, <laughs> uh, which is pretty common at WashU. But I, I'm right now applying to uh, graduate schools for journalism hmm. and just looking at other work opportunities kind of related to that. What do you hope to do with that, the combo with the journalism? What's What's kind of the thinking behind that? Well, I love to write, and okay. I think journalism is actually kind of the intersection of my major and writing because it's all about the human experience. So whether that's, you know, social justice issues, politics, even stuff like economics, which people don't think necessarily relate to psychology, but they do. So getting to report on that on a daily basis, and, you know, you got to keep the competitiveness in there somewhere. So writing on a deadline is very exciting. Um, <laughs> You're going to you're going to ha- grow to hate it, I trust me. <laughs> pro- pro- probably a little bit for sure, but right right now it feels like a shot clock, so I'm uh-huh. I'm very excited about it and that that's kind of what what drew me to it. Well, fascinating. Uh great chatting with you. Uh I look forward to hearing what you may do in the future. Um I, I love your your perspective on things both in the game and and, and in life. I appreciate the time you took. Uh, we always have a tradition on the show that we give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Let's go Bears. Go Bears is perfect. Uh, congratulations on a tremendous uh, campaign so far through the UAA. I know you got a lot ahead of you. Good luck. Safe travels uh, to Rochester and, and Atlanta this week. At least it's not the Super Bowl for you guys. And uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you somewhere down the road, I hope. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Becca Clark Calendar joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Fascinating uh, perspective, especially that major and then hopes of what she want, might want to do with it afterward. Um, but at the same time, look at them. Nine straight wins, uh, eight of them in conference. They are on top of this conference by two, as we mentioned. I should say nine straight in the conference, ten straight wins. I misspoke earlier. Uh, they've got, again, the trip to Atlanta and then Rochester this weekend. That's always a difficult one with travel. Then they're home against NYU, Brandeis, Chicago. 
they're in control right now of that auto bid. Obviously a lot to play for, but keep an eye on the Bears. When we come back, there is plenty more Hoopsville ahead. We are far from being anywhere close to being done with this show. Still more to break down. We'll talk about what's in a name from our recap of the Hope-Calvin rivalry. And still ahead, Rusty Rainbolt, East Texas Baptist women's coach, will join us. And Ryan Scott, senior writer for D3Hoops.com, will look at the brand-new Top 25. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Monday evening. Appreciate Becca Clark. Calendar joining us here on the show earlier. Um, so we went out to Hope Calvin this uh, past weekend. Pat and I did. Did a wonderful Hoopsville courtside show there at uh, the DeVos Field House, which was jam-packed with 3,500 screaming, plus, I should say, screaming fans. And, and and oh, it was it was terrific. The game lived up to the hype, as we mentioned. Uh, Calvin's beaten both uh, Hope both games this season, which is certainly interesting. They'll be battling it out most likely in the playoffs. Maybe a third time. Of course, that game will be at Calvin. In the courtside show, we got to feature a story that I found absolutely fascinating. It's 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 it surrounds the basically the star of the 1990 Hope Women's Championship team, Dina Disney, as she was known then. 
um, hit two free throws at the end of that game, which won them the championship. However, it's what she did and named one of her children that's got all the attention. Her son, who plays for Hope, has an interesting last name, or I should say first name. It, it, it drew my attention. It also drew a reporter in Brent Ashcroft at WZZM, his attention, WZZM 13, his attention as well. He looked into it, and then afterward, on our courtside show, we discussed with Dina what exactly she was thinking. Here first is Brent's story. Here we go. White's got the rock. Half court. Let's go. It doesn't matter what's painted at center court or on the baseline. Do it again. Same action. Oh, the name on the scoreboard? That's misleading, too. A living oxymoron, if you will. This Hard roll. is Kelvin's practice. Oh, yeah. It's all just kind of humorous. No. Really? Yeah, it's weird, for sure. It's Kelvin's practice. What are you doing at home? Stuff like that. Wait, wait, wait. It makes no sense. There must be a mistake. Thought the same thing. Gotta check the roster. Despite his name, he's, he's an amazing guy. Wow, it's true. There's a Kelvin on Hope. It's funny that it happened to him. Kelvin Hackert. People around here are still like, I don't buy it. I don't, you can't be named Kelvin. For the players, it can get confusing. When coach was in, uh, in the locker room talking about Kelvin, I th kept thinking he was talking about our Kelvin. Your side of the lane. Here coach go. Greg Mitchell. Let's say Cal, good reversal. Can't bring himself to call him Kelvin. Say Cal, out of baby. Uh, I probably could, but it's pretty tough to say that on our floor. And yeah, so I'd pretty much stick to Cal. Come on, Cal. I like Cal. That works. Calvin also recruited Calvin. That's how it goes. But Hope beat them out. As it should be, right? That's when his lineage was learned. March 1990. To set the stage again. Hope women playing for a national championship. With about nine minutes left in the game. We were down by 20 points. The Flying Dutch said, hey, that's not enough. We're going to come back. Dina Disney was a catalyst in the comeback. A three-pointer tied it at 63-63. Five seconds left. A long pass made in. We were going full length. I got fouled. Go to the line with the score tied. Hit the free throws to win the national championship for whole college. You can go back to that moment in a second. The game never left her, even after leaving Hope. Dina Disney would become Dina Hackert, then a mother of four. We're a basketball family. When she named her last child, she never put it together. My teammates have had a good time with it. I think I did get a call from almost every one of them, like, you named your child what? If it wasn't for this basketball legend from Hope, Follow Cal, get it, let's go. There wouldn't be a Calvin. That sounds kind of crazy. You think? Yeah, I know Dina, and I know that, that she did, that might be on purpose. She's, she's a competitive person. I know Dina, if you're watching this, Dina, I know. When he was a kid, probably sixth or seventh grade, Calvin learned about the rivalry and his mother's heroics at Hope. I asked her, I was like, why, like, did you name me Calvin? This comic strip, called Calvin and Hobbes. That's what they named me after. I would look at that cartoon uh, every day and I just kind of loved the name Calvin, but I never intended or knew that he would go and play college basketball. Well, he did. 
So now there's Dina. This esteemed athlete from Hope in the stands yelling. Way to go, Calvin! That's weird, yeah. I just try to keep my emotions in check. Good luck with that. Attaboy, Calvin! Too long, Calvin. Attaboy, Calvin! Do I love Calvin College? No, there are arch rivals. But he's my son. Attaboy, Calvin! For a rivalry that's had it all. Great game, baby. Thanks. It's never had this. Calvin plays for hope against Calvin. Hopefully he'll be a, an extra thorn in their side for you know the, the coming years. Dina wants the best for Calvin. Well, that's probably the best I've seen you guys play. To clarify. Proud of you. I'll see you tomorrow. Not the school. My son just happens to have the name of a different color school, but uh, he is definitely orange and blue. Her last words to Calvin before the big game. Calvin, kick Calvin's butt. Way to go up. We are now joined by said mother. It is Dina Hackett, and you're 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 sticking by this Calvin Hobbs story. That that's that's really where you're going to go with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick by it. Really, it definitely is. It's definitely sure? where it came but, from. I mean, Absolutely. great opportunity right here. Yeah. You're not Tell gonna, us the truth. You're not going to come clean on Dave's show. I, I mean, can't come imagine. On. You know, the truth is, is I really bleed orange. Yeah, of course. And I, um, I do not like Calvin College. But, At all, okay, but so I love my you, son. But I'm wondering how, when you're in the naming process, it, it, and clearly your your teammates thought this too, right. it didn't dawn on you that you were naming your son Calvin. You know, <laughs> did you just not let, say let me, it enough? Let me, let, me, let me take you back to about 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. Given birth, which yeah. you guys know nothing about, no, but that's that okay. True. That's true. That's right. I won't, and I won't and doubt the first that. first time you hold your child. No, truthfully, I knew I was going to call him Calvin before. We, but but but, <laughs> okay. but wow. back in the day, he was premeditated. Yeah, but back in the day, we didn't. I didn't have ultrasound, so I didn't know if I was having a boy or a girl. Okay. So okay. it might have been just a little like, man, I love this cartoon. But we had two names picked up: a guy for, and, and I would Hobbs. really plain it to say if it was a girl, we're going to name her Hope. Hope would be yeah, great. But, exactly. Yeah, great but we didn't. Yeah. We didn't. So uh, we had a guy, so we named him Calvin. Let me ask you about that 1990 championship. Yes. Yeah. Not only, of course, hitting the two free throws with time expired, but you hit a big three-pointer right before that, right on the previous possession. Yes. So that means if I'm doing my math correctly, you guys are down, and you're down at home in front of a huge crowd. What were the kind of final moments of that game like? You know, at, at one point we were down 20 with nine minutes to go. Oh, that's right. And that's right. Um, yep. Yep. home court advantage is a huge thing, <laughs> and uh, especially at the Civic Center. Yeah. You know, there, there, it was an incredible comeback. Of course, I always say this as I, I coach today, can't do it without a team. Yeah. And it took all of us. And, you know, I'm a big uh, proponent of scouting reports, and it really came down to those last few minutes executing mm. some scouting reports. Uh, that kind of were put in walkthrough that day of. And, uh, you know, listening, Heiss feeds me the ball for a three-pointer. Uh, again, scrapping for a ball, it ends up in my hands. You know, so I was blessed to have the opportunity to hit the free throws. But standing in there with every, you know, what people don't realize people is People on the line, too, with zero seconds on yes, the clock. That's different. What people don't realize that this many years ago was there weren't the hundreds of the second. Right. So it took them nine minutes to determine oh, if there wow. was any time left on the clock. And what they did was they just ultimately let the horn go Triggered off. The thing. Oh. Yeah, 
triggered it up. Oh, we've got we've got a at least a half a second. So, so you are wow. so you are waiting for nine minutes. Nine to minutes. Hit those free throws? throws. Nine minutes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was uh, it was That's exciting. That's a whole other twist. It yeah. uh, was. I don't have that in length, our story. Uh, We're adding that now. Lengthy <laughs> process, but you know your 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 home court's behind you, and you yeah. you, you shoot a lot of free throws from the time you were a kid, and everybody dreams of that yeah, uh, moment. You so. dream of a national championship. You're never in. Yeah. That spot. No, you're not. But, you know, there How parts. How much did you have to hit? Did you have to hit both? That was I, tight, I right? didn't. And then okay. where Riley said I'm competitive, this is the truth. And thinking back on it was kind of stupid. But I had missed a 30. I had shot 30 free throws in, the, in a row. And so I made it. And I'm thinking, I probably should miss this. And then then the clock starts. But it's like, yeah. I don't want to. In no. my career, I'm to miss. No. But uh, anyway, a lot of I had a lot of teammates come up to me in the nine minutes and just say, you know what? And truthfully, if you miss no it, pressure. you're overtime. You know, right. so right. Right. Not, like, not, not like, not like, you know, so it does take a little little bit of that pressure off in that situation, so. In that era, right, Hoosiers is the big movie, right? That, that 1990, you, that movie has been out. You've probably watched it. I think of like some of those great moments in that movie where, uh, uh, Gene Hackman's character, whatever the name of the coach is, is, uh, is saying kind of things to his uh, to his players and, and those sorts of things. What did your coach say to you during those nine minutes? You know, um, during those those times, just just I remember Coach Wise coming up to me and my teammates just saying, just just do what Dina does, just just have composure. You shot thousands of these, and uh, uh, you know, actually, you know, you shot so many. I know when I let it go, you'll see in the video. I kind of start leaning this way, like. Oh my goodness, it's going to go to the right, but hit nothing but net. And thank you, Lord. I, I know I uh, just really was like, God help me in this moment. Uh, had a scripture written on my shoe anyway. Had gone through an ACL repair, was set out a year in college. So, you know, it was exciting to come to that time. What was a really kind of fun nugget of information back in the day? You guys probably were, you're, you're too young, but I'm a little older than you guys. But they would say when you win a. Uh, NCAA championship or the Super Bowl, they'd say, hey, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going? So that was the big thing sure. because my maiden name was Disney. So, yeah. so yeah. that was fun. Kinda that like, was Kind of related to the wall. Yeah, it was a fun <laughs> kind of spin on things as well. So <laughs> spin then, spin now with I mean, Calvin. You called your son Walt. I could have, oh. but I just couldn't. No. I, I had to stick with them. You don't do that to a kid in this day. You age. don't do Calvin either. Yeah. Calvin is a perfectly normal <laughs> yeah, name. Well, not here. But not today. <laughs> today it's not, and I won't be yelling, go Calvin, from the stands today. Or we'd be yelling, go Cal, as Coach does. Uh, Cal does. I, I probably would just say go Hope today because yeah. everybody's kind of watching today. Like, it is might she going to yell? Weird. It won't look good today. It won't. Appreciate the time and, and yeah. having fun with us. It's a great story. Yeah, appreciate you guys being The entire arc of that story yes. is wonderful. It's a it's a great story and we never thought or didn't know i mean it brings the mom a lot of joy yeah. to have a kid come back to uh, uh my, my alma mater and play and i love hope college i love what it stands for just academically but the sports culture it creates around here so brings me a lot of joy to come back watch my son play not in this, this is a great facility yeah we you didn't get to play here yeah. so it's a lot of fun but you're at least always immortalized in this facility. yes absolutely right. thank you guys thank Thanks you for, for having the me time. We thank Dina for her, um, well, really for her story, for starters. I guess maybe premeditation, call your son Calvin so there's a story about it later. But also for her good spirits uh, and good um, sense of humor there to join us and have some fun with that. I'm still not sure this Calvin Hobbs story lives up to the to the, to the to what we were talking about earlier, the smell test. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, great story. And I believe he was the one who had the ball in his hand at the end uh, trying to win it for hope. 
Um, great to also run into so many names I knew or, or know from the boards or from Division Three in general. Flying Dutchman. Uh, Sack was great to see Scott. Um, I thought I saw Matt or I knew Matt Snyder was there. I didn't see him, which was, come on, Matt. Get across the, the floor. Andrew, I knew you were there. I was surprised I didn't see you. I thought you would uh, have uh, jumped us at some point to say hi. We were looking forward to it. Um, granted, we were in a corner for the pregame and then kind of went right to our seats, which was right dead in the middle. We didn't get really up. I got up to the top of the building once before the pregame started to get something to eat. Otherwise, uh, we didn't mill about as much. Maybe that was my mistake. Maybe I should have milled about for part of that game, especially in the first half. But uh, awesome experience. And I lived up to it. I've said repeatedly. Two on the game was fun, too. Thank my family for letting me go. Thank everybody for making it work. And next time I'm flying in and out of Grand Rapids, uh, I'm getting too old. I love driving, but the Detroit back and forth was not worth it, um, especially considering, guess what, folks? I had another delay on the way out there and back. De-icing in Baltimore went any any way but um, routine, to say the least. We'll take another break. When we come back, keeping track of scores, Matt uh, Ryan Scott will be joining us. But don't forget, still ahead, too, we're going to talk to Rusty Rainbow, the number 15 East Texas Baptist women's coach. That's coming up next. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. 
We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Mike Meller, head coach of Messiah Women's Basketball and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We really hope you enjoy the show. Back to you, Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody here on this Monday evening. Reminder, we're kind of back into the um, swing of things the rest of the month. Well, for the most part, remember three weeks from yesterday, three weeks from today, we'll be talking about the brackets. Three weeks from yesterday, we'll be talking about who's in or who's out of the NCAA tournament in men's and women's division three basketball. We are on the air Sundays and Thursdays, seven o'clock Eastern until three weeks from now, three weeks from yesterday, the Sunday selection Sunday, we will be on the air slightly earlier because there's so much to talk about six, maybe five o'clock Eastern. Stay with us. We'll get you more information as we get close to that. But for the rest of the way, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and when necessary, we may expand our shows as well as there is so much to talk about in this final month. Reminder, regional rankings coming out We'll talk uh, on Wednesday, first time. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Of course, speaking of regional rankings, the South region on the women's side is going to be really fascinating. The ODAC is full of what look to be really good teams in Guilford, um, Emory and Henry, Randolph-Macon, maybe some others. The ASC down in Texas is certainly uh, ridiculously good. You've got East Texas Baptist, Texas Dallas. Also, Mary Harden-Baylor playing well, even Harden-Simmons. Those four, well, at least three of those four could end up being nationally or uh, regionally ranked. Trinity and Austin over in, in the SCAC will be in the conversation. And we haven't even talked about the SAA and, and their teams uh, in the USA South, for that matter, too. The South region on the women's side is going to be interesting to watch. And we've been biding our time and finally found a good reason to bring on um, a man who, who certainly knows how to dress the part, or at least some part. He is a very well-dressed man. Uh, I am more than, a, more than jealous for the East Texas Baptist Tigers joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. It is Rusty Rainbolton. Coach, thanks for coming back to the show, sir. Absolutely. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, We'll talk about it later in the show, but you are known to wear a white suit. What we forgot to talk about when George Barber was on the show was not the game where the team put up 200, but the night before when they put up 180-something, he also wore a white suit. Sir, I got a picture of you in a nice vest. I've got you in a beautiful three-piece suit. You you style and profile while leading this team to a heck of a season so far. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate that. My... uh... Uh, wardrobe coordinator slash wife can uh, she, she takes care of me as you know it is and our and our president too so uh, you know if you ever ever need any advice I can point you in the right direction but well, no I, uh, I I've always just I love to coach and I always said that if I got a chance to be a head college coach that I really just I wanted to honor the game and it may sound silly to some people but I just you know I just love it I, it's a wonderful profession and I always wanted to respect the game by dressing sharp and just being mm. thankful and trying to give back if that makes sense and sure. kind of my own little way and so um you know because guys like me don't don't get this opportunity very often and definitely don't get to to live out this dream in the way that i've got to do it so i always want to give back but no it's just some fun that i have and try to way to show respect back to the game well listen my wife would probably love to have your advice first i'm going to need to lose some weight um <laughs> to pull off some of these looks um and then i'd be all game for it to be sure um yeah. While you dress the part, you've still got this team clicking, and we let's let's remind people, Rusty. Two thousand sixteen, seventeen, you were three and twenty-two. That's not a typo. Uh, right, the team was three and twenty-two uh, the year before. What was that? Two years ago. Yeah, uh, and then there was a coaching change, and and uh, and our staff came in, and we we 
practically brought in a whole new team. Yeah, you blew it uh, up last year. Yeah, yeah you blew it, was, it up. Uh, it was, you're 25 and seven last year, going 13 and five in the ASC. Now you're right. 19 and two. You're 12 and two in the East Division of the of the ASC. You got four games left, um, three on the road, two at one at home. We'll talk about that in a bit, but I am still almost dumbfounded, and that's not the right word because I don't want to make it sound like like that, but floored at the turnaround for the Tigers here um, from what has usually been anywhere between 8 to 16 win team who bottomed out that one year to now suddenly be a, a Texas power. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been a blessing. Um, you know, we, 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 as people, we like to take a lot of credit, but I, you know, I talked to you last year. I'll just echo it again. I mean, we just, we really are doing it for a different purpose and, and we really believe that, that, um, you know, we're trying to play in a way that honors the Lord. And if we win a championship, great. And if not, we just, that's our story and our message. Every time we step on the court is we're playing in a way that's trying to show love to people and encourage people and allow athletics to be something a little more um, than just a scoreboard and an identity. And so we're just very, you know, very blessed and very thankful. And it's a lot of fun. It really is. Not to make light of religion in any way, shape or form, but he is, he, he, if God is truly helping you, He's not helping anybody else with this turnaround. That that's out, absolutely outstanding. Um, and and what's really amazing is your two lone losses are to those other teams I talked about in the conference: Mary Harden Baylor and Texas Dallas. Uh, a thirteen point loss back to Mary Harden Baylor all the way back on November 29th. and then a Texas Dallas loss again by twelve points. Or the first one was thirteen, but twelve points again on the road. At Texas Dallas, you've not only held serve at home, but those games are relatively close. It's almost like splitting hairs to some degree. And granted, you got you had oh where did was the other game? Oh, you have Texas Dallas to finish the season, so we're obviously building towards that. But it's outside of those games, you guys have been pretty strong. What's working? Well, yeah, you're right. You know, and um, we've we've. It's been a been a, it's been a weird year because we've averaged I think it's a 22 point margin of victory on yeah. the year for most all those games. Um, when we played at Maryland Baylor, Maryland Baylor has a very good team and well coached and uh, a really really tough place to play. Uh, and we were without our our best player that game, so it made it a little bit different. But we were hmm. down four with uh, we were down four with two min- or four minutes left, um, you know. And then at Dallas, we played a really good team on their home court, had everybody back. And uh, we were down one with two minutes left, but we're we're never gonna like keep it close just for the sake of the way the score looks. You know, we're gonna foul to the bitter end and keep trying to play and play all the way through. And so sometimes those games it could bend up, you know, six, seven, eight uh, with some, you know, thirty seconds left or twelve seconds left. We're gonna keep fouling just because that's again what we do. We just want to play in a way that's given everything we got to the end. But it, 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 the ASC is a good. It's as tough as you know. I've been in the league a long time, mm-hmm. and it's as good as I've ever seen it. And top to bottom, it's it's better too. You know, I mean, everybody can be beat um, on any given night, and so it's a it's a good it's a good league. We've really enjoyed it, and but it's definitely nice to play against teams like Dallas and uh, UMHB, and uh, like you mentioned earlier, Trinity and Austin College are down here. There's a lot of good teams. Yeah, it certainly is going to be fascinating when the first regional rankings come out, and then the second week when we finally get to compare all the games truly that you've all played. What what has worked this season, or what what hasn't? Maybe the better question is what hasn't worked. You you talk about a twenty point margin of victory right now. You're out rebounding your opponents uh, by about six a game or so. 
You're shooting well from the floor. Um, but what isn't working? Maybe besides the free throw percentage, which I just noticed. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the big things that we talk about. And, and what's crazy is, is this is the best shooting team I've ever coached. I've huh. always built teams for defense and rebounding toughness and never spent a lot of time caring about kids that could shoot it. Just wanted kids that could guard and rebound. Um, but it, we, we shoot the ball. Uh, I think we're either one or two in the field goal percentage. I think we're like top 30 in the nation in field goal percentage offense, and we're top, I think, 20 in field goal percentage defense maybe. But, um, yeah, we, we need to shoot free throws a little better. Uh, and, and we, you know, we, we feel like we need to rebound a little better at times. But we just we have a pretty solid group all the way around, and we play five in, five out. We'll play 14 girls every single game. Nobody wow. plays more than about 18 to 20 minutes a game. Um, and so I think that really helps us too just our depth and the way we play and it keeps kids happy and you know it's more of a a team built type uh idea instead of having stars at the top and we've got some really good players but even our best player uh best couple players don't play more than you know 18 to 20 minutes a game so Uh, yeah i was just about to jump into that as you played so many players you're not technically running the system which has been obviously the topic of conversation tonight with Greenville's game, but you're playing almost like a platoon, like maybe people who know John Carroll men's basketball know a little bit, where right. you're subbing in five players every few minutes. What's, what do you find is the advantages to that? Yeah, well, we well, I've done that for, for a long time, um, and I, I just I remember my time as a player, and it, you know, no kid likes to sit on the bench and not get in the game. And so my deal is, is one, if, if we recruit you, we feel like you can get on the, sco- on the court and play. You've still got to do your part and earn it, but um, – I like the kids. I like the idea for kids to be able to sit there and know, hey, every couple of minutes I'm going back in, you know, and it's hard. It's hard with carrying, you know, 14, 15, 16 players, but we do. We get about 12 to 14 in every game. But I also think, too, like this happened to us last year. Our, our best player who led us in points, steals, and rebounds uh, last year, she gets hurt in the first, like, first segment of the conference tournament, and we play three games in three days, and she did not play until the last quarter of the championship game. So she, in essence, missed two full games and we were still able to beat Dallas on their home court in the second game and beat Mary Baylor in the championship without her. But our team is built on depth and not one, you know, even though she was our leading scorer, leading rebounder, leading steals, we were able to beat those teams without her. And so uh, I just feel like it helps with depth. I think it helps with injuries and I think it helps with the morale of the team because everybody can just really feel valued instead of having seven or eight that play and seven or eight that don't. So I don't know. I don't know if it's the right way, but, you know, sure. last year when we went and played St. Thomas and Wartburg, it was the same way. Both of their coaches mentioned how hard it was to scout because, you know, there's there's 12 girls yeah. or 14 girls that play in 10 to 18 minutes and all shoot it and, as opposed to shut down two or three or four kids. So Sure. Um, earlier in the season, you ended up playing eight out of nine games at home, which spanned from uh, December into January. There was obviously some weeks off in there. That one away game was that Texas-Dallas game, which you lost by 12 unfortunately the back end of that now shows up you're in the midst of what is five of eight on the road uh and the next four your next three actually you're on the road before you finish at home a little bit of a grind uh, games obviously aren't close you'll go to Bellhaven, then louisiana college followed by letourneau and then home against texas dallas kind of a topic on this show was how do you keep these players especially at this juncture of the season fresh maybe emotionally in check and at the same time, not grinding out a, a bit here as as you really go into the the real halls of bus trips now. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and it's funny you say that because the last last week and this week, um, the big thing we've talked about in our team has just been 
this time of year, exactly what you said is is the is it can be a grind if you want it to be a grind, and if you look at it that way, and and we talk about it, the way you win this time of year is not by getting better X's and O's, but it's just the heart posture that we we attack every day with. And we talk to our girls like we have so much to be thankful for, just a God that loves us and a school and a university that provide. And, um, you know, just we have a lot of kids that are, you know, healthy and whole this time of year. And so anyway, and we get to play games, you know. I mean, there's a lot of bigger fights in our nation right now that we have to worry about than playing a game of basketball. So that's the thing. We just we really encourage our kids to keep a good heart posture and make sure that they're thankful that they get to play and, and reciprocating that back. Rossi, so, I don't I don't know uh, what you're talking about. There's nothing more important than Division three basketball in this world. I, I don't know I don't know what you could possibly be alluding to. <laughs> um well here's the other thing that I find interesting though too, and this is no disrespect to your, your opponents, but the next three aren't exactly your most difficult opponents. You beat Bellhaven already by twenty five, you beat Louisiana College by uh twenty four. I'm sorry, thir- uh, four yeah, twenty four. I can do math. I can do math. Uh, and you beat Letourneau earlier uh, by 31. And then you have Texas-Dallas. So how do you make sure they under, you know, obviously play game by game and don't take an extra loss here by by chance, but also then kind of rev up the expectations or the understanding, yeah, we had these three games, but that last one is is going to be, you know, head and shoulders different in terms of competition. Yeah. Well, what we do, honestly, is one – we point to teams all across the country that have flipped up or almost flipped mm. up. I mean, Bowden was down to uh, Middlebury. Yeah, I they watched were. that game. They were down to Middlebury until the last 20 seconds when they it's scored only... an uncontested layoff off a baseline out of bounds. Why? The you only know? time they led. Yeah, so if the if the number one team in the nation can be behind to an unranked team or, or Notre Dame can be losing to North Carolina, who's mm-hmm. unranked, and it can happen to us. And, you know, uh, Mayor Hearn Baylor in our league goes to Hardin-Simmons who, no disrespect to Harden Simmons, they're a good, they're a good team, mm-hmm. you know. But but they go on the road and lose to a team that they shouldn't have probably lost to, and that's what we just talk about. Like it can happen to anybody, and when you don't respect the game, mm-hmm. then the game will humble you. And so, you know, our three opponents that we have coming up before Dallas, you know, you could very easily say, hey, you you should win. But this is basketball; it's athletics, and the ball bounces funny sometimes, and you get calls that are you know weird sometimes, and sometimes you just don't play well. And so, we're we talk the big picture perspective is ladies, if you want to have a chance to, you know, make a run like we did last year and enjoy that journey and, and really promote our message about what we're about on a bigger scale, you have to take care of today's practice, tomorrow's practice Wednesday, and then you have to go on the road and win. And then you have to do it again Friday and go on the road and win Saturday. So, you know, every coach kind of says the same thing, but I'm not one of those coaches like a Belichick that's like, man, we just live in the day. I mean, we talk about the big picture because, that's what these kids do it for, the excitement and the experience. And, and you know, like, like I said, for us, our team, we want, to, we want to promote the gospel of Jesus on a bigger scale. And last year getting to do what we did was a really cool way to do that. And we were thankful. And so if we're going to get a chance to do it again, we've got to take care of the daily grind. Well, Rusty, I appreciate you coming on, talking about the Tigers. Fascinating the way you guys have turned the program around for starters uh, while also dressing extremely extremely well um but at the same time you know it's just interesting to see how you can change the mentality that fast and 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 be that competitive uh joy to chat with you about it and i appreciate the time as always we give the guests the final word any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in yeah we just just appreciate what you do and appreciate division three athletics and so uh hopefully we get to get on and talk to you soon
Yeah, well, I think at this rate, you'll be on often. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Rusty, take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Yes, sir. Rusty Rainbow joining us here on the Bloom Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. A reminder, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com and make sure you mention I sent you there. You heard it about on Hoopsville. Dave McHugh told you to go talk to them at Blue Frame. They will appreciate it. I will as well. Again, East Texas Baptist, 19-2, 12-2 in conference play. Interesting run up here in the last four games before getting into the uh, conference tournament. Uh, it, it's I'm just blown. Polly Thomason's going to have her team ready, though, at the end of the season. You know that. That last game is going to be a must-watch on, no, on February 16th to be sure. When we take come back, we'll talk to uh, Ryan Scott. The men's top 25 is out, came out earlier today. Women's not yet, I don't think, but we'll still get a double take from Ryan and talk about our dubious, our debatable, and our uh, dark horse teams. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studio. Back with more Hoops Hope when we come back. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. 
I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, there, everybody, on this Monday, February the 4th. Special time after the Super Bowl Sunday. And, uh, I mean, big games aplenty this weekend, were they not? We had uh, not only the uh, Super Bowl, but we also had, of course, the, uh, the uh, big game, the rivalry game at Hope Calvin, plus plenty of other good basketball. It resulted in new top 25s. I just double-checked to be sure. We have not seen a new women's poll come out. I don't remember what the latest on that was. I think, it was, I think Gordon was wrapping that up, but well, that'll come out soon. In the meantime, the men's poll did come out earlier today. Nebraska Wesleyan number one going back to the number one spot with 18 first-place votes. Whitman is uh, second with six votes. Oshkosh third with one, and Augustana rotated down to four. I, I kid you not, if they just keep losing, I think this top four is just going to rotate amongst themselves. Uh, joining me to talk more about it, as he always does, or mostly always does, is our good friend Ryan Scott, D3Hoops.com senior writer on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopfazol hotline via Skype. And, sir, as always, it is good to see you. Good to be here, Dave. Uh, you are definitely seeming like you are better from the last time we chatted. Yeah, the voice sounds better. My throat doesn't hurt as much. Well, that's but, always a good sign. Uh, I'm worried I may have overdosed on cough drops. So. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you ever need to, sir, a hot toddy always works pretty well. All right. I'll give we'll you the see. recipe later. Um, all right, so first off, very rare that we get to do this with a fresh top 25. Normally we're kind of yeah. a week in with a bunch of results, and now we're trying to prog prognosticate to some degree. So we got a fresh top 25 here, 
and first and foremost, I don't see a lot of surprises here. The middle grouping all moving dramatically. Not that surprising. I haven't written my ballot but or on my blog, but, for example, my 9 through 14 slots all suffered a loss, which when you have the middle of your ballot suffer losses, it just causes chaos with everything. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those weeks I was really glad that I generally start over fresh every week <laughs> and I don't work from the previous one because, sure. uh, I mean, that would have been a mess. And I feel like it worked <laughs> out better because you don't know. I mean, when everybody loses, you don't know who to move up and down. It, it really ends up becoming who you're trusting at the moment. And um, right now, it, it's just so difficult. You know, I'm a big believer in a team like Swarthmore. Yep. I think it's really good. I think they're a, probably a top eight team talent-wise. They haven't been playing that well on offense. So no. I, I don't want to rank them that high. But where do you put them when everybody else is losing and they're not? Um, exactly. It's a difficult place to be. Yeah, and I, I moved Swarthmore up big. I moved up Hamilton big. Worcester moved up pretty significantly this week. Uh, more in my blog that will come out probably tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it almost causes a vacuum in the middle of the poll. And as a result, you and I don't start over like you do, but I'm certainly not at all slave to where I've put teams. I'm more than willing to move teams uh, past others if I feel it necessary. Um, it sometimes can cause some teams maybe to be too low. I'll admit that. Um, but it, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting uh, challenge. Uh, let me get to one question we got from a viewer, and then let's get into our debatable uh, dubious and dark horse teams. Got a great question from Dean. He said, um, curious your guys' take on rankings of the top four in the Great Lakes region. Wabash and Worcester are the clear top two in the NCAC. Marietta Capital, clear top two in the OAC. And then he goes into some detail, which is helpful for our, our listeners. Marietta's lost twice to Capital, but Capital has some head-scratching losses against unranked teams like Heidelberg and John Carroll. Wabash and Worcester have split. They have three losses overall. Marietta has three losses. Capital has four. How do you see these four ranking-wise, both for the top 25 and then for when the regional rankings come out this week's? Seems like not a lot of separation there. Uh, he's right. I think that's your four for the regional rankings. I'll say now that when it comes to regional rankings in the first week, I don't, I don't like to prognosticate for starters because we don't have all the criteria. And second of all, I like to see how they come out first from a very clear-minded point of view so that I can start figuring out what the committee's doing versus having a bias in my head versus what I did. That right. said. Uh, that's what makes it difficult because we right. don't know what they're prioritizing this year. So well, the not big even prioritizing, issue... but how they're reading the tea leaves. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big issue here with the, the Great Lakes is on the criteria, Marietta has the best resume. However, they've lost twice to Capital. Right. So the question will be with the committee is, do they think Marietta's resume is significantly better than Capital that they're not going to go to the head to head? Um, and that's up to them. I mean, we just don't know. I, at this point, I would keep Capital ahead for that reason. Uh, but you can certainly see why they might, might do it the other way. And last year that happened. Uh, I forget which teams, but it was in New England. Yes. And there was a team with two head to heads. They were ranked right next to each other. But. One of them, even though they lost twice, was considered significantly better, and they didn't use the head-to-head. -head. Yeah, just, well, it's something to, I would argue. They, it's not that they didn't use the head-to-head. -head, they just didn't feel it outweighed everything else. Right. Um, and, and with the SOS win-loss metric gone, and we'll be tweeting out, by the way, in the next 
40 or 36 hours before regional rankings come out. The conversations we had with Sam Atkinson on the men's side and Karen Harvey on the women's side back on last Thursday, because I think it's helpful. Um, how without that win loss SOS metric they were using, I think it really draws into question how will they see the numbers as a result. And, and you're right. I think it's wide open as far as the top 25. Um, I, for, for a couple of weeks now, I've kind of had them all somewhat together, not Worcester Worcester. I've had back like last week's poll week eight. I had Ca- uh, Wabash 11 capital 12 Marietta 13 Worcester sitting in the uh, 18 hole this week. I jumped Worcester all the way up to 10. I've got Marietta now at 13. I got capital at 14 and I've dropped Wabash to 16. That's how I'm kind of reading it now. I'm just one voter, but they're all kind of in that middle area. And I think you can make an argument for where they're being positioned. I'm just kind of leaning a little bit towards how they're playing now. Worcester's playing a little bit more consistently than the other three. Yeah, I mean, Worcester sort of earned that jump up the boards, I think partly because we're all comfortable knowing that they're going to be good. Yeah, you know, now I am. If they don't have the most talented team. They play at the top of what they can do. And, and at this point, with all the, the turmoil, that's comforting as a voter. The one thing I will bring up because of the conversation with Sam um, you're looking at Wabash there, sitting at 16 and three. SOS, at least according to this right now, is 520. Um, knowing what Sam said about making sure they don't penalize the smaller schools, LaRoche is mm-hmm. sitting at at 19 and two, better winning percentage. 504 is not great, but their non-conference SOS is up to 550. Yeah, um, yeah. they played as good a schedule as they could at a conference. My uh, gut tells me that SOS will sneak up in the next few weeks from 504 to maybe a 520. But that's not yeah. based on anything solid other than that's what we tend to see a number lean towards. Um, but you're right. I think LaRoche is, is definitely a team to consider here. They would well, be punished you, right now with that old metric. Well, and you look at Wabash, their non-conference SOS is not great. They didn't play a great out-of-conference schedule. And so that's the one. I think Capital Worcester Marietta in some order are the top three there. Um, Wabash would traditionally be four, but we will have to see what the committee thinks about LaRoche's candidacy because they've certainly done as much as they can from that spot. Yeah, LaRoche might only be hurt by the results versus regionally ranked opponents in week two, but that's a little early to say that now. Um, But I agree with you. LaRoche could sneak into that four, maybe three hole. It's not diving into the numbers too much. Um, But you're right. I think you're a good point. Absolutely great point. And I think that's something everybody has to get used to is that, yes, the extremes of the SOS aren't going to necessarily benefit or hurt a team, if that makes any sense. Um, But we'll see how it goes. Uh, Good question. Thanks for asking it, Dean. All right, let's move into our debatable dark horse and dubious squads. Uh, where I always give you the choice of where you want to start with it. Um, I, uh, I'm going to go and have the conversation. I have been dubious about Pomona this whole season. Um, obviously it's a good team. You don't beat Whitman if you're not good, but that schedule really gives me pause. I don't think the teams in their conference are quite as strong I mean, they're comparatively to each other. It's a very deep conference, probably deeper than it's been in a while. But I'm not sure the top end is quite what it was the last year or two. Uh, I I just, you know, I I don't know that they're going to have a chance to prove themselves until the NCAA tournament. Um, And I don't mind. I'm voting for them. I just, 12 is creeping up 
I've got them at 19. High. I got them at 19 and I feel that's high. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've just felt like, um, that may be one case just cause that one win is so impressive that we may be over, overcooking things a little bit. Well, there. and compare it to a nickel squad sitting at 20 with a 19 and two record. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say it's apples and apples, but if you feel that good about Pomona, then why aren't we moving nickels further up too? Well, and it's a nickel squad that's proven itself in the tournament. This True. is the same same group of guys who've proven themselves the last two years in the tournament versus Pomona, who hasn't been there because they haven't been able to get past CMS. Um, they've been good. We've been talking about them the last few years, but not not at this level. And, and I'm not sure what I've seen this year that would, would bump me up. I'm going to be dubious, and, and I'm partially at fault here. Uh, I'm dubious with North Central. That was the other one I was thinking, so I'm glad I picked Pomona. So. Yeah. I've got North Central moving up to 15. Again, it was because of the vacuum that was kind of caused in the middle by so much movement and so many losses. I mean, I dropped Lynchburg out at 17. That also caused part of that vacuum. Loris losing to Dubuque caused another vacuum. I literally had seven or eight teams square in the middle of my ballot that had results that caused me to have to be, you know, pull them out and put them somewhere else, and that caused where do I fit people. So I admit while they beat Augustana, and I think that's a solid victory, it was at home for starters. It wasn't like it was a beautiful victory. It was an ugly game. But then again, a lot of games in the CCIW don't come down to, to, to a fashion show. Um, I just think that's a little high for them at 13. And again, I've seen them in person, so I'm, I'm, there's, we're past the injuries. I get that. But there's nothing about them that makes me have confidence that they're getting to the second weekend of the tournament. Yeah, got... I, go ahead. I had them at 21 or 22 in the preseason. Yeah, and that was being optimistic, and they've lost two starters since then. <laughs> right. Um, and they they're winning lousy against Ohio Northern. Their their record deserves to be where they are, but I just right. it feels so thin. You know, and it feels like they're relying on Raritan so much yeah. that it's just hard for me to believe that, that he's going to be able to come through every single chance they need him to. I was nervous putting him in, a, in the top 25 a couple of weeks ago at 23. Yeah. Uh, they've got Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton ahead. Their advantages are playing this Augustana, Illinois Wesleyan, Wheaton stretch all at home. And I understand that Illinois Wesleyan is 13-8, and 6-6 six and six in the conference, but it doesn't mean they aren't good. Right. And Wheaton, again... It, they're one of those teams like Illinois Wesleyan, you just don't know. They're also on um, on a very tenuous bubble here. So they're going to be playing their guts out. I wouldn't be surprised if they go on two this week. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is this is the advantage the CCIW gives you now because you've got Wheaton and North Central. I voted Wheaton 25 this week. Um, I finally dropped them, but, yeah, I can see why you would have. North Central and Wheaton, the, the one advantage of playing this schedule is they're going to be legit. Whoever comes out of this, right? Whoever gets that win, whoever whoever makes the statement, you, they're going to be tested, yeah. which is more than we can say for a lot of these teams. We just are scratching our heads about. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So, who is your um, dark horse then? Dark horse. I'm going with Texas Dallas as the dark horse. Good choice. Texas Dallas has uh, well their their big signature win this year was they got they got Whitworth to come on down and and took Whitworth out when we were a little higher on Whitworth uh, <laughs> I, and I think Whitworth was playing a lot better then too yeah. 
Um, but Texas, Dallas, you know, it's hard being in the ASC. They don't have the, the greatest schedule in the world, but they've run through it pretty well. I think they're sitting at five losses right now. Um, and, and they've been winning pretty convincingly some of these games too. So, um, honestly though, I had my watch list, uh, for who to vote for and only two of those teams didn't get any votes. And, and the other one was Yeshiva who I've talked about plenty. So, uh, Texas Dallas was an obvious choice for my dark horse this week. I'm going to go in a weird direction with this one. I'm going with Mount Union. Oh. Yeah. I, this is one of those where I think they've, they've, every time I think they've bubbled to the surface where people are going to recognize them, they've admittedly had results that remove them from the conversation. Right. They lost to Capital 71 63. They lost to Marietta 81 69. They also have a loss to John Carroll that would make you kind of shake your head at. But that said, they've got Marietta ahead at home. They've got capital to finish up the season at home. There's something about them. I think that they might just be in a spot where no one's paying attention. There's a chance. Yeah, and I think they're good enough. I think they've, they've shown this season in close games, again, with capital and Marietta both on the road, we should point out, and, and other victories that, that make me – listen, their, their schedule doesn't blow you away. But there's something about the way they're playing that I've had them on my radar for a while. Haven't been able to pull the trigger for the aforementioned reasons. But they're on a three-game winning streak right now. If they beat Marietta, that's four, and that's coming up this week. Now they got a ton of momentum into Heidelberg, Baldwin, Wallace, Capital. They might be worth keeping an eye on. I, yeah, I mean, strength of schedule is pretty weak, but if they win Marietta and 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 uh, the Capital games, you know. That, changes that's the equation legit, of that OAC. Right. Yeah. A legit team right there. It's an interesting squad. And by the way, just a reminder, folks, it doesn't mean we're actually voting for them. Uh, this time of year, it's tough to find teams who aren't, who are good, who aren't receiving votes. All right. We're not voting for them because they didn't get any votes. So. Right. <laughs> I mean, so we're literally picking teams to look for that we're not even voting for. Yeah. <laughs> um, debatable team, sir. Um, I'm wondering about Randolph-Macon. Okay. Um, and we say debatable not because they shouldn't be getting votes. Debatable because they're worth talking about. Right. Um, they are debatable. Uh, they're all the way up to seven, yep. which is deserving. Twenty and two. Um, I'm still a little leery. <laughs> I know this is a strong team. I'm going to say an inconsistent team, at least when I watch them. I yep. don't know if the results say that, but certainly what I see on the floor, I don't know what I'm going to get when I tune into that live stream. I agree with you. Um, I've got them all the way up to seven. And I'll admit when I wrote it down, I went, little boy. Um, I granted had them up to eight the week before that. But again, as you said, their record and their results have led them up there. But I'm, I'm with you too. The, there's some inconsistencies that wor worry me and, and it's not always in the, in the losses. Remember you go back way to the beginning of the season. I remember when they beat hood by 30, I, it turned my head. Yeah. Hood, maybe not everybody talks about pretty good team. Well coached. Um, and then you go ahead and you look at the – they beat Emory by 20. And you go, okay, all right, they're for real. They're lost to Christopher Newport. I, I can't make heads or tails of. Uh, I finally voted for Christopher Newport this week, by the way, uh, because I had a vacuum. I didn't know who to, who to put on my ballot. Um, That's exactly put, what happened with me. Yeah, yeah I could have put, Mount, <laughs> put Mount Union there, I guess. Um, they have a win over Emory Henry. They – you know, they – and in a rivalry game with Hampton Sydney, it wasn't a game. Um, 
they lost to Guilford, but Guilford's been beating everybody. But then they yep. beat Virginia Wesleyan by five. If they're that good, they should have dominated Virginia Wesleyan. Um, and that's where you start getting that inconsistency. So I'm with you. I think they're a good team. Are yeah. they top 10? They don't feel like a top 10 team to me, but that's where they are on everybody's yeah. ballots. And they, you know, they're probably just geographically where they're located. May get a pretty decent draw when it comes tournament time. True. They may get some home games. Absolutely. Um, most Open likely. They're sharing the ball a lot more, which I think is yes. really good. They were relying on some of the, the older players early on in the season. And I got to give my shout out. Ian Robertson, freshman forward, is a Delaware kid. I'm sure Josh Merkel <laughs> ran done. across him when he was at Salisbury before he, he headed over there. But having a really great freshman season um, and puts up big numbers in small minutes. So um, they're getting a number of those contributions off the bench in just 10, 12, 15 minutes, but really ended up with some big numbers. Um, if, you, if you look at the top half of the ODAC, it's insane. Yeah. And they're, they're, a game and a half, they're a game and a half clear of Guilford. They're three and a half games clear of Emory and Henry, and they're four games clear of Lynchburg now, along with Roanoke and Virginia Wesleyan. That says a lot. They have risen and gotten above the fray. And that's why I'm feeling confident being there. Well, that's why I put them top 10, I should say. I don't feel confident with them at top 10. But they're worth watching. Now, they've got Hamden Sydney coming up this week at home. They can't let off the gas for a rival who would do, love nothing but to knock them off. They've got Randolph, which shouldn't be a challenge, and then Eastern Mennonite, which shouldn't be a challenge, to finish off the season on the road. Then they go into what is a gauntlet of a conference tournament. If they come out of that as winners of that tournament, they're absolutely, I think, hosting the opening oh, weekend yeah. and should be feared, feared in March because that means they figured things out and they've gotten through the toughest part of their schedule. Yeah, and from where they are, though, that I, I mean, I feel like if there's going to be a trip up, it's that that long drive to Eastern Mennonite for the last game of the the yeah. regular yeah. season could be I one agree. that they got to watch out for because Eastern Mennonite's not terrible and. No. Uh, that's an easy one to overlook, especially with how far ahead they are. Absolutely agree. And again, after Hamden Sydney, the emotional rivalry game, you know, the, those last two could be tricky. So I agree with you. Absolutely. Especially the trip to Eastern Mennonite. You're absolutely right about that. Um, so good, good debatable one there for sure. Expectations when you see regional rankings, you kind of hint to the same thing I do. I, I go in with, you know, everybody makes these prognostications on the boards and, and I stay away from them. I see them and I just move past. I don't even look. Um, because I want to go in to Wednesday with a fresh mind so I can figure out what the, what these guys are doing or trying to do. I, I don't want to have everybody else's ideas or even my own idea going in because we've, I know I, I, have, I have seen things badly when I've gone in with a bias in my head. Yeah, and, and this one's important because the results versus regionally ranked opponents isn't involved in that. So you get right. um, a little better picture of how they're judging teams outside of that criteria, um, which is helpful for us when we come to selection time, when we're trying to guess, because we don't know what the results versus regionally ranked opponents are for that last one, unless we glean a little bit of information here or there. Right, because we don't um, get to see those final rankings until the end of the until the brackets are out. You're right. Thank you. That's right, but reminder. I think this is where we'll see the balance between SOS and winning percentage, and I think we'll also see how important that non-conference SOS actually is, which you know awesome. Sam brought up several times. That, that that may be a factor. And so if there's teams that are close, you know, that's the stat to look at and see if that's what separates them. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, again, we talk about the SOS to win-loss. 
that's less less of a com- a direct conversation now you know with that metric gone okay so how is those other pieces of criteria going to play out the head to head the comparable opponents and whatnot I, i'm i'm fascinated to see on wednesday but again and I, I can't stress this enough don't be up in arms about wednesday's rankings Wednesday is just a toe-in-the-water type thing. It's just a taste of understanding what they may be doing as the committees figure things out with not all of their criteria uh, at their uh, disposal. And and not to mention the fact they really mean jack once week twos is posted. Right. And the other thing to look for, um, which will be a good bellwether, is that Atlantic region, um, traditionally, <laughs> if we're going the traditional way these things get done, it would be <laughs> nothing but in-jack teams. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, especially if maybe one or two of the Skyline teams get in there or, or the new AEC, um, just to see how they're they're judging some of those maybe smaller conferences that don't have the big power numbers that the NJAC will put up. NESCAC and, and what they do with NESC, or I'm sorry, Northeast, what they do with NESCAC teams is going to be interesting to look at. Mid-Atlantic, I think you're going to see a huge di- difference between the top and the rest, same with the East. Um, the Great Lakes is going to be fascinating. The Central's going to be a cluster. Um, the West is actually the one I'm really keying on um, with the Mayak yeah. Northwest Conference, the Skyak a little bit in there, and, of course, the, the American Rivers. I think the West is, is going to be a – and on the women's side, I mentioned it before the Rusty Rainbow segment, that South region is full of teams on the women's side from the ODAC, the USA South, SAA, SCAC, and ASC. Full of teams are going to be ranked. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Wednesday, but again, I don't put a ton of stock into it. Um, before I let you go, uh, any thoughts you want to share or not share? I don't care about Grinnell's game. That kind of surprised everybody. I mean, Greenville? Greenville. I do that every once in a while. Apologize. Um, no, I mean, I think it's a it's a cool thing to be able to do. Um, I, I think the the if you go on and read, you know, what George had to say, it's on the website now. Um, you know, you may not agree with it, but I think you can understand where he's coming from. Um, I know. I mean, that's the thing to me. You see it when I behind the scenes when we talk, and I'll say, you know, Greenville's got 158 points, and there's six minutes left to go. Like that's what I'm looking for too. Right. And so. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing with the system is you have to go all out. You can't play it part ways because it's a numbers game. And if you don't, if you don't do it the whole time, um, you're not, you're not going to be effectively running the system. Um, and I think the conference teams understand that, especially when like Fompon that runs with them. Um, you know, w- once your numbers get up that high, nobody's thinking about how many points we're behind. It's always, even the losing teams thinking about how many they could score. Um, well, and to uh, some degree, if if a team wins ninety five to sixty, if you were to extrapolate that out, it's right. a it's it's a hundred and eighty something, one hundred and twenty. The fifty point spread isn't as dramatic as it seems if you understand what's going on there. And listen, let's be honest about Greenville; they've been putting up a ton of points, as you hinted at, all season long. This is not a new thing. They haven't scored less than one hundred and twenty, one hundred and two. No opponent scored less than ninety nine. More games than not are 130 or north. Well, and that's what I mean, is if you've got 146 points, even if you're down 50, you're not thinking about stopping the other team. You're just thinking about putting more buckets in. That's you know, true. that's it, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's just a different mindset when you get to that point in the game. And I'm sure everybody's having fun. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've been told there's one Skyak coach who apparently isn't upset about or who is upset about it. Hey, you know what? Reach out to George. He clearly is more than willing to talk about it. Yeah. Um, or at least listen to you. And he's clearly aware that some people may not like the results. But he also pointed out this isn't like what we've seen in the past, Ryan, where it was premeditated. This was clearly a, oh, oh, look, we, we have a chance at 200. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's against a conference opponent, uh, a conference opponent who's competitive. Beating them, with yeah. you, you know, the, was it a year before, almost to the day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a couple days before they had already set a record. I can't wait till next year with this game, you know? Fontmon. Who knows what they're going to do? Fontmon might take on the system, and we might actually get two teams who can play the system well against each other. Because normally a system v. system game is a horrible thing to watch. Well, yeah, we, we haven't. Yeah, they've never been great. <laughs> no, they um, really haven't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... I I'm I'm all for it. I love records. You know, I'm yeah. I'm I'm a big rooter for records. And speaking of which, I don't know if you're ready to give me my last word or not. I, yet, I was just about to go there, so why don't we go ahead? Go ahead. Final. So, word. I uh, hadn't realized I'd counted wrong. I thought it was still coming, but I I've been told that Jack oh. Davidson of Wabash broke the consecutive free throw record mark for a season, hitting. He's got 67 and counting consecutive free throws made. Um, which I think is a pretty cool record. There is a slightly longer one that went over two seasons. It's 80-something that, that he's got a chance to get before the end of the year is out. But uh, anybody who's making free throws, I'm a big fan of. And uh, just yeah. shout out to Jack Davidson for not missing in something like 10 games or something, something like, like that. that. By the way, so I was debating this one because I have him in my number five hole. But one of the schools I was debating about said, yeah. Maybe they're a little dubious, St. Thomas. You know, maybe maybe they're a little too high at, at where they are. Nah, Dave, you look like a fool. You got them five as well. We know St. Thomas could be good. We don't we don't want to make a big deal out of that. Well, they currently trail 57-51 to Gustavus with seven away remaining. Um, they were down by 10 a short time ago. They may still pull this one out, but it's funny one of those, oh, of course, St. Thomas is on the ropes right now. <laughs> um. I think that's appropriate because that's the one thing, too, that, you know, you mentioned the four teams at the top just kind of rotating around. And I, yes. I don't think there's anything St. Thomas can do that will lead me to put them into that group unless not you now. Know, they're, they're no. in Fort Wayne at the end of the year. Then yeah. maybe I'll think about it. But, you know, there's just not quite enough experience there. Um, I do think we have to check. Didn't Connor Bear get hurt in the last game? Um, Hold on. I'm on their stats so I can tell you if he's in the game. Is Bear playing? He has played. He's got five points, three fouls. I don't okay. have minutes. I, I had heard that he only played like three minutes in the previous game, and so that could be an issue. They, he started they, tonight. Okay. He's so played twenty-two he's minutes, and they got seven left. So he's he's played a good chunk. Yeah. Yeah. The other one, though, I haven't even had a chance to look at scores tonight. Is the St. John's is playing Augsburg tonight too? Um, just another half big time. St. John's has got an eight-point lead. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, by the way, a score that will really be interesting. Oshkosh currently leads Whitewater 70-48 with 7.56 remaining. Yeah, I mean, that's not unexpected. I think Oshkosh is head and shoulders above the rest of those teams this yeah. year. I just think Whitewater is – they can't figure out how to put it together. And then maybe another shout-out while we're looking at this. Cairn – yeah. Beat Lancaster Bible tonight on the road. That's yeah. sort of a rivalry with the two small Christian schools. Karen has not lost in conference 
Um, I noticed that too. Yeah. It's got to be about the worst conference in D3 now that, yes. that those AEC teams have left. But, you know, good for them. They, they were a team that couldn't buy a win a couple years ago. Nice. And uh, the turnaround they've put together, even if it's in a weaker conference, is still impressive. By the way, St. Thomas is on a roll here now. They trail by three. So apparently since someone decided to mention it to me uh, that they were trailing by 10, uh, I've got them down at one point uh, 51-42, and they have gone on a 13-7 run. So, Yeah, I'm not going to jab Johnny Tower in a game like that. No. So you you can bring it up, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident. bring it up. It out. Uh, sir, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much, and uh, I'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. All right, Ryan Scott joining us for the Top 25 Double Take. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, a little late tonight, but not too shabby. By the way, if you are a podcast fan, may I ask a favor while also giving you some bonus information? The favor is, could you please um, give us a review wherever you happen to uh, enjoy it, whether it's Apple Play or Apple Podcasts or it's on Google Play. Maybe you do it via our, our group on SoundCloud or well, what's the other one? Um Oh, I just drew a blank, but you know what I'm talking about. All I got to do is click on the link and, and I'll be there. The other one is Spotify. By the way, Ryan Scott, making sure we got on Spotify, I should point out. Um, give us a review. Give us, give us just, I noticed it didn't have any, and, and that's a way people can find the show too. The bonus coming is I just was able to turn around the, um, the file from Saturday's show. So we'll be putting up Saturday's show and tonight's show onto the um, podcast. Uh, RSS, in case you want to listen to any of them. Um, we ended up getting the uh, marathon up there pretty quick, and I know some people enjoyed that. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Yeah, there's a bunch of scores we could check out, but at this point, uh, we just stay on the air like we did Thursday for absolutely no darn reason. Uh, I want to thank George Barber for coming on, talking about his uh, team and the 200-point score. And a reminder, he put out a um, blog about it, or I should say an op-ed about it, Go ahead and read it. You can hear his thoughts on the 200 points and the debate he has had about that. I want to thank Adam Stockwell from Hamilton for coming on, talking about his men's team. Becca Clark uh, Calendar from Wash U uh, Women's Basketball, the senior guard, had a wonderful conversation. Talk about a fascinating major and what she hopes to do with it. Uh, again, great story from Dina Hackert. I want to thank her for coming on uh, Saturday's show, and, uh, a lot, and then we re-aired it. I also want to thank those at uh, WZZM13, for letting us air that story. Really appreciate it from them. Rusty Rainbolt from East Texas Baptist. Want to thank him for coming on the show. And of course, all the SIDs involved as well who have helped us uh, get those stories on the air. We'll be back Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time as we normally are. Um, we will primarily talk, let's see, it's East, Mid-Atlantic, uh, Great Lakes, and West regions primarily. And of course, the WBCA Center Court segment as well. If you've got guest ideas or thoughts or questions or whatever for us, email us. You can try Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. If it doesn't work, try Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. You can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well, where we promote the show, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Again, thanks to our partners. They include the Wisconsin Eau Claire Randolph-Macon College, Blue Frame Technology in the city of Salem, plus D3Hoops.com, the WBCA and NABC 
for their support. Because remember, if you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. If you'd like to re-air any of this show, we'd be honored. But please contact us for official permission. With that, we sign off. We'll see you back here on Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, the night after the regional rankings. There'll be plenty, plenty to talk about. See you on Thursday. Good night, everybody.